Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. Final breath. 
folks, and thank you once again for coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk, part of the Grassroots Conservative Conversation. Uh, I want to thank those who came to the show last week to listen to our uh, p- uh, commentary and analysis of the vice presidential debate. And <laughs> what a debate that it was! I, you know, I think that uh, VP Pence uh, took the night. I do think that he won. I think even the Democrats in the media, I think they kind of know he won too. <laughs> uh, but if you missed, uh, missed the show and if you didn't get the opportunity to listen to the uh, debate in its entirety, we do have that as part of our archive uh, of the show. So let, you can listen to the whole debate uh, on the podcast. Uh, on the recording, and you can also afterwards hear our commentary and uh, analysis of that. I mean, one of the highlights, uh, if you listen to that debate, I think, that a lot of people, and I don't actually heard anyone talk about this till, you know, until we did here on Bard's Logic uh, last week, was talking about how Kamala Harris actually twice, uh, again, I'm not seeing this anywhere else, twice, literally insulted the American people, and they insulted their intelligence. Uh, and now you uh, – the, the two instances, I'm, I'm trying to, try to remember when those were, is when one uh, – yeah, one when she was saying uh, that uh, – again, it was – well, I'm trying to think – I'm trying to put them in order for you for when you're listening to it, or I might might just leave it to yourself to hear it, so maybe it motivates you more to, to listen to the whole debate and see if you can catch it. That might actually be more fun. I probably, should, I probably just gave that away. But, yeah, go ahead and listen to that, and you'll find – and we'll, we'll reveal it maybe later on, maybe later on the show. But uh, but listen to the the debate in its entirety, and you'll see. And we mentioned it actually in our – if you want to not have to go through it, we did mention it in our uh, commentary and analysis uh, last week. Uh, for that, so that gives you a little flavor. I thought about you know telling you what they were, but if you could find two, um, that would be. And there are, there's two of them. Uh, you know, they're they're pretty. I don't know if they're pretty obvious, but you'll you'll see them. You'll see them. But anyway, so definitely check out that episode. You know, again here on Blog Talk Radio, you're able to access all of those. So if you have any other chance to listen to the whole debate, go ahead and listen to it. It's actually it was a really good debate. I know it's an hour about an hour and a half. However, you know, that hour and a half actually goes by pretty quickly. Uh even more so I think that the presidential debate, which as you probably heard, the the one that was supposed to be, I believe, this week, uh tomorrow actually, I think it was it was supposed to be, uh got cancelled, which I got mixed thoughts on that because I always want to see Trump debate, even when I think last time he really hurt himself. I think he may have recovered from it, uh, but I think he you know, hurt himself without debate. But I'm kind of glad this this debate didn't go on because maybe it'll give us time to say, look, when you you know with the council on presidential debates or council on debates, uh, how can they allow for someone who was the intern? This is why I'm glad it didn't happen. They allowed an intern, or well, a former intern, of Biden to be the moderator. I mean, how is that not a conflict of interest? Uh, and that, and, you know, we mentioned that uh, even before the, the the debate, you know, 
the, the VP debate, and now it's all out. You know, a lot of people have, have talked about it, but now the debate's not happening. Uh, then it, yeah, it's a new point. But I don't, I don't know. And uh, right now, who's the, the uh, moderator of the next debate, which I believe is going to be the last debate? I think it's going to be somewhere around the twenty fourth or something of that nature. Uh, I think it's going to be the better debate for for Trump because I think he probably learned and and there's a lot of people saying, look, let Biden talk because eventually he's gonna he's gonna slip up. You know, everyone's saying that. Just give the guy a chance to talk. You give him enough time to talk, and he'll you know his troubles that we all know that he's experiencing will come to the fore. I, I, I you know a lot of people are saying that so. We'll we'll see what happens. So I'm I'm looking forward to whenever that debate is. Again, I think it's the 24th uh, this much, which is close. We are literally less than three weeks uh, from the election. Just three weeks. So definitely get folks out there, get registered uh, to vote. Uh, later on in the show, we'll have an audio of uh, a guy who uh, a black gentleman who is just talking to people in his neighborhood, talking to people on the streets. And the audio is amazing. I mean, it's a, there's a video of it, too, and you can find that at the Bard's Logic website on the newsroom page at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Uh, check that out as, as a video as well as other videos. Uh, subscribe to the newsroom. You, you'll, we'll get inundated with emails. You'll get one email a week. Uh, stating that, you know, hey, the Barge Logic Newsroom's out, and you can check out all the articles and videos, uh, which we get a lot uh, of the content of the show for. Uh, so definitely, you know, check that out, subscribe. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. Again, I mean, I pay for everything on the show. I don't even make any money from it. I, <laughs> I, can admit, I don't even know how much money I've spent over the years to, to have Barge Logic. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, check it out. And then you can also follow us here on uh, Blog Talk Radio. Just push follow, and you know you'll get up. You're, you're supposed to get updates on when you know the, the show's going to come on. So it would be you know appreciative of that. And I do got uh, Kelly on the line, and we are going to get to uh, that that audio that'll be later. And also, uh, I think the biggest obstacle, and I think this ain't any big prognostication, is that. Oh, sorry about that. I, I held a sneeze so I could get that out. <laughs> so it sounded like yeah, so I'm getting prognostication out. I had to hold back a sneeze. <laughs> I think I got a little cold coming. But anyway, uh, lack of sleep, you know how that is. But anyway, I think that the biggest problem that Trump's going to have, the biggest obstacle, is the whole COVID thing. And we'll, I have an audio clip. It's a longer audio clip than we normally do here on the show. Uh, it's about 18 minutes long, but it's, uh, again, those will go fast. It's Duke, and we'll get Kelly in uh, first. Uh, but it's got Newt Gingrich, you know, in it. You know, we know, all know I'm a big fan of Newt Gingrich. But he takes COVID as a historical, not backing to where it's been created. And I really would like uh, to do a show on that, on where it really came from. I know uh, – uh, Tucker Carlson has been interviewing a lady who – I wish I could remember her name. I'm sorry. Uh, a lady who's actually saying, uh, the COVID is actually man-made, and I'm not surprised. I mean I've got a, a, a running theory uh, that it's, I think it is man-made. I, I think it may have been, have been a bioweapon. It may have been where either, A, they're just using it to cull their population because look who this popu- – who it targets. I mean – 
I know other things affect people who are older and have health conditions, but this one seemed especially brutal uh, to people who had underlying conditions. So I wonder if, A, they used it to call their own people, or two, you know, Trump is the last bastion of hope uh, that a lot of folks believe, and and I'm, I'm on board with that, for the United States to maintain uh, it's basically a hegemony and, and not keep uh, a China from taking over as the world superpower. I mean, I'd be great if we could have, you know, a, a, a Star Trek-like co- coalition between nations where, you know, you know, we could get along. We don't have to worry about, you know, going to the war. And I have an article that I'm uh, hoping to get to later about is war with China inevitable. So maybe we'll get to that part towards the end of the show. Uh, a lot of and I again I I believe that that's the last fashion and, and and China through my understanding of it you know again there, there's two factions not, I don't want to say factions but uh, two sets of beliefs you know some who think yes China's the enemy and things of that nature most of the evidence that I've seen points to that direction now I'm uh, also a part of the the LaRouche Pack where they ca- they have a different take on you know, China. They think it's, and I agree. I mean, we should have a good, a, a good. If we can, if we can have a good relationship with China, if we can have a good relationship with uh, uh, Russia, if we can have a good relationship, we do have a good relationship with India. But I mean, if we can have those types of relationships, then I think that's just you know, for the betterment, of course. But whether we can, uh, we we, we got to be realistic. I mean, we have to be strong enough because you're not going to be able to even have those kind of cooperatives without you, without you being strong. And you also can't be cooperatives if you have one, you know, a nation like China who some contend they, they do want to have world domination or two, they want to be, you know, in basically the position switch between the United States and, and, and China. I, I mean, I don't, even, I don't know why they may talk about Russia so much. I don't even think Russia is that big of a player, but anyway, before we get to the audio, I'm going to go ahead and uh, bring in Kelly. And real quick, folks, um, I hope uh, our good friend uh, does not mind. I hope you don't don't get mad at me for saying this. I didn't ask, Um, so I won't get specifics. But our our good friend Joseph will not be here tonight. He had – again, I won't be in specifics unless he wants to talk about it when he's back on. But he had a death in his family, uh, someone close. Uh, to them, so you know, for those of uh, the audience that are prayerful folk, uh, you know, send out your prayers for them. For those of you who uh, are not, because uh, we do have uh, listeners who are not as well, uh, then you know, put out your positive thoughts, and you know, for for Joseph and his family, and hopefully we'll hear from him uh, again next week. Uh, so you know, we'll put out our, our thoughts and your prayers out to uh, him and his family. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, welcome Kelly. Thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Well, I'm breathing a little better because the uh, <clears throat> slight rains and cooler weather has stopped the California wildfires. We can actually see the stars at night now. <clears throat> so, yeah, it's a little bit more better in the health regard. <laughs> well, that's good. So, that's good. Have you been healthy enough to follow the uh, well, the so-called hearings uh, for the, you know, 
for Barrett, which I'm glad she's finally. I mean, I want I wanted her before I wanted. I mean, I, he wasn't even on my radar really. Um, but I, I mean, that's who I wanted Barrett to be the the, the first one. You know, before. Uh, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm at a brain freeze of this name. We talked about him all the time. But anyway, you know. So what what do you think about those hearings? This and and, and Harris, a... this lady wants to be president, right? <laughs> oh, poor Kamala Harris. A... I feel so oh, sorry. She's real, real quick, I, I just want to make a point real quick, Kelly. And she's a hypocrite because I'll tell you what, she was all snarky about I'm talking with Pence, but she didn't have any problem interrupting Barrett through my understanding of it. Oh, no. I, You know, I feel, I feel so, so sorry for Kamala Harris. I mean, here she is on a campaign for vice president slash president, because we kind of know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, okay. So she's on her campaign for the presidency of the United States, and she's stuck in this judicial conf- confirmation hearing. Oh, poor Kamala Harris. I mean, all these Democrats going on and on and on about the Affordable Care Act and on and on about this and that. And they're, they're delaying her from getting on the campaign trail. How rude of the Democrats. How inconsiderate <laughs> yeah, exactly. of the Democrats. Just stop and let her get it first confirmed. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, just, just vote yes, and then can't Kamala Harris, Senator Harris, can go ahead and get on back on the campaign trail. I can't believe these Democrats are so rude to her. Why are they doing this to her? <laughs> I guess they don't want her campaigning because, you know, the the more the pe- maybe it's because the more the people see and hear from them, the more the people don't like her. <laughs> I don't. But but you know what? I just it's really sad for Miss Harris. I mean, my gosh, if she didn't attend the committee hearings, she would be shirking her duties to run for president. Now that's not that's a no-win situation. So she has to suspend. Her time on the campaign trail for this confirmation hearing. Is it any wonder that the Democrats wanted to postpone the confirmation hearing until after the election? Oh goodness. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, again, well, I'm well, a you know what thing. would happen if if they did it after the election and if Biden were to win, they'd be like, Well, you can't you can't you can't confirm her now. We won. Even though it's a person the president for four years, but go ahead. Yeah, he has so like January twentieth to continue his duties as president. Anyway, so yeah, I mean it's just so sad that Kamala can't get on the campaign trail in such a crucial time for a campaign. That's I feel so sorry for her. And then Biden, oh gosh, I'm sorry, you only have like twenty or thirty people attending your rallies. Got people lining up and walking. Yeah, I heard the one half, in Cincinnati had twenty people there. I just you know. I'm so sorry that you Democrats scared people with the corona and the mask thing that nobody shows up. That, it, it, Joe is really popular. It's just people don't want to die. The Democrats have imposed fear, 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 fear. Wear your mask. You're going to oh, die. Yeah. Don't, 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 don't go to social gatherings except for the protests. But you know, it, it just, just we we can't go to the Biden rally because we're all going to die. Wait a minute. Who put the fear of death? Inside the Democrats' minds, oh, that's the Democrats. Maybe that's why people aren't showing up at the Biden rallies. 
Hmm, kind of backfired, didn't mm, it? I'm sure okay. that's um, yeah, kind of yeah. I believe that's definitely part of it. All right, so the VP debate once again, once again, Mike Pence. Again, I'm a libertarian. I can see a little more objectively both the Republicans and Democrats, the R's and D's. Okay, Mike Pence is a very classy man. Oh my gosh! If I'm around him, I have before I to see to meet with Mike Pence, I have got to take classes on etiquette because he is a very thoughtful, classy person, and he handled things. Yes, he showed that he was upset. Yes, he put her in her place when necessary, but he mm-hmm. did it still in a classy way, and and so when. You know, Kamal Harris during the debate, she's like, "Oh, you know, that that murder of the girlfriend of a drug dealer. You know, he shot from inside the apartment. The cops shot back, and this poor girl died. I called her parents, and oh, it's such a sad thing. And oh, uh, oh, this is so bad." To Kamal Harris, that's when Pence jumped in and said, "Look." You as a prosecutor should know. Of all people, you should know. The grand jury looked into it, and they wouldn't even consider it because the drug dealer was firing bullets at the police. They shot back. The grand jury shouldn't even – they didn't even look at it because – and you as a prosecutor should have known this. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. He freaking – hammered her to the wall in the most polite, classy way. What a man. I am so impressed with Pence. Tell you what, yeah, the more I see of him, the more, I, I, you know, the more I'm impressed, the more I can see that this, the guy could actually be president. I really do. The more I see from him, I'm like, you know, at first I thought, eh, I don't know if Pence, you know, Pence could be president if he even want to. But I tell you what. He, uh, I think I, I do. I think he'd be, a, he'd make a really good, you know, I think he'd make a really good president, you know, uh, you know, Pence. What I, I do, I think. Uh, I mean, what's there? I mean, what's there to not like about the guy? You're right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he just like looked. I mean, and he wasn't snarky with her. He wasn't condescending or anything of that nature. He was just kind of like, hey, look, you know, this is how you know. So. But her, you know, well, you just look look at the, her face. How you can even hear the condescension in her voice. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he was classy and graceful. There wasn't condescension necessarily. But her, she was like, I will not be lectured by the vice president, who then did. Oh yeah, oh, I'm being a yeah. 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 Okay. Whatever. But yeah, she, I, I actually watched a uh, body language expert video. Mm-hmm. So, a lady who is a body language expert did a video, and she, the, the 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 person that made the video, okay, she's like, now look at Pence, he's patient, he's kind, but you can tell by his face he's frustrated. Now look at Kamala Harris, how. She is snarky. She's lying. She's condescending. 
she doesn't believe what she just said. And there was another point where she said, okay, so she's reaching for an emotion, but she doesn't have that. She's searching, searching, searching. A normal person would have been able to empathize in such a way. She had not the capabilities, but she tried through a political game. Now, well, look at her face. Look at her emotions. This body language expert nailed it that Kamala Harris only called the family of the girl that died in the police raid. It was only for political advantage. It wasn't true empathy. I was like, oh, my gosh. So it, it's like, well, it's very telling. It's very telling. Pence did such an amazing job in the VP debate. It was like, yeah, I could see. I agree with you. I I agree with you, Robert. Again, I'm a libertarian. I agree that Pence could be our next president after Trump in 2024. I I could see that happening. Yes, certainly, and I would like to see it, of course, for you know some selfish reasons. <laughs> it's because I mean he. Uh, you know, headed up the Space Commission. Of course, he's really supportive of the Artemis program. 2024 is when we're slotted for NASA uh, to go back to uh, the moon. Uh, and so, and here's another thing that some ladies like you might uh, appreciate is the Artemis program is named the Artemis program, frankly, because they're going to have the first woman on the moon. That's part of the, the program is you're going to have the first female astronaut on the moon, and that's actually why they called it the Artemis program because uh, uh, Artemis is the uh, the sister of Apollo, and so you had the Apollo program, the first man on the moon, and so you have the Artemis program, which is going to be the first uh, female on the moon. So that, that's something to be appreciated. And plus, uh, you know, so that 2024 is when that's, you know, supposed to happen. So if he's uh, you know, running for president or being you know, president during that time, I mean I think that would just be it'd be fitting. Now of course we know that for anyone who cares about the space program or, or advancing that and, and, and finally because here's the thing, it's we haven't been back in the space for fifty years, you know, at least to the moon and that for fifty years. And my thing is if, if Biden Harris gets in, if there's anyone out there or really wants to see you know the advances of space exploration. We're not going to get it. We're not going to get it through a, a, a Biden Harris administration. It's just not. They'll use. You know, I I I say. Well, someone said this, and I believe that their opinion on it is that they'll just try to use uh, NASA to prove their their climate science is all they'll try to use uh, use NASA for. I mean, they'll uh, I, they'll probably shut the program. They'll probably shut the program down because. And one thing is, is with the Artemis program is, you know, it, that's for space exploration to, you know, maybe colonize other planets. Well, the, you know, the colonize Mars, colonize the moon, whereas the Democrats don't. They'd rather have their things to call the population because they're into population control, and so they have no interest in that. They'd rather, you know, keep things here on Earth and control the population so that they only – a certain amount of people on Earth, whereas with an Artemis program and people being able to colonize, you know, other celestial bodies such as moons and planets, then, you know, think of the potential. I mean, you could have, you know, 
people tell how many kids they've got just because they're afraid, oh, my gosh, are we going to run out of food here or are we going to run out of space? No pun intended. You know, so, I mean, and again, so that's, that's kind of, uh, we're getting a little off topic there, but, but I mean, that, that's going to be gone, too, if, you know, if Biden Harris gets elected. Not to mention anything about reparations, <laughs> that that you because you know he won't be well, you, and you know uh, Biden wouldn't be be long, you know, in the in the in office. Oh yeah, I mean, was, you know, I just, yeah. Bottom of the hour, and as I stated earlier, that I think the biggest the biggest obstacle for Trump really. Is is COVID, and and, uh, and uh, we don't know how many people really out there who truly believe the narrative of oh well it's Trump's fault you know these a number of people you know passed away you know in part of or fully because of COVID. I mean even though you're looking at a 96 to a 90 percent uh, survivability rate, you have six uh, percent of all the people who unfortunately passed away from COVID. You have, uh, you know, we're, we're just COVID alone. We're, they didn't have any type of pre-existing conditions. And then you have where the WHO just this week uh, stated that, you know, oh, well, maybe shutdowns of the government um, are not the best idea. Now, that makes me say, hmm, so why now are they saying that? I mean, I, I, I guess I got a suspicious mind covering politics for 40 years. Uh, but it makes me kind of wonder, why are they saying that now? Why are they saying lockdowns might not be that important now? So are you thinking that – I'm thinking that maybe they were having the lockdowns hoping to hurt Trump's election, and then because they think Biden may get elected, they want to give Biden an out to not lock down the economy so that it looks like the economy is going to be able to come back under a Biden administration because they're going to be able, they would be able to open it up, and they could say, oh, well, look, the World Health Organization said we can, look, you know, we can open things up, and they said the lockdowns aren't good, so we can go ahead and open things up, right? And so I kind of wonder if, you know, if, if, again, I don't want to sound conspiratorial. I have a, wearing an aluminum hat, but – I don't know the, the timing of it for them to come out and say that. I mean, or it could just be genuine. We're like, look, we're fine. We're actually realizing that it's 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 hurting from the middle class on down. Those are the people who are the greatest affected by these lockdowns. And perhaps there's more people in the world who are suffering from the collateral damage of the shutdowns uh, than they are than people are of COVID. Uh, but speaking of COVID, that's, I think it's a good segue. I'm you know, Mike's, and uh, you know, again, I'm going to play that audio. And it's longer than what I usually do. Uh, but I think it is, you know, got great information. Of course, it's always like to hear from Newt Gingrich. I mean, I wish it was him calling in or something. I had an opportunity years ago where um, there was a show I was on. It wasn't, wasn't Bart's Logic. It was another show but um, that, that he called in that I was on. Um, so who knows, maybe, maybe one day. and. Uh, and, and we are going to, try, you know, I want to work with you, Kelly, and others, getting more, you know, getting some more guests onto the show and things of that nature. Uh, I know it's, it's a lot of things going on with what was going on with my daughter, um, with her health and things of that nature, kept me from doing a lot of things. 
Uh, but those are improving. Uh, she's doing pretty good. And so, you know, it's actually going to be able to free my free more of my time up to to be able to, you know, focus on you know, some other things such as trying to get some more guests on and things of that nature with the show. So that, that that's uh, hopefully coming down the pike. But that was my first and foremost, and, and that's been going on for about three, three and a half years. So you guys may or may not know that, you know, my daughter's been dealing with this, these these health things for a number of years now, and again for about three and a half. And the things are looking, you know, there's it's still it's always going to be there, but it's just something that, um, you know, we're dealing with. I mean, she's you know in college, she's doing all right, you know, she's gonna you know, working towards getting her degree for a career. But anyway, uh, so let's uh, go ahead and uh, get that keyed up, and we'll have some commentary on that. And then after that, I've got a great uh, audio clip. Uh, again, a grassroots uh, you know, black guy who is you know, trying to get people to register. Not only get people to register, he's trying to you know, talk to them and say, hey, what, what, if the black, you know, what has Biden done for the black community? And so he's really talking to people, you know, face-to-face, uh, to get them to say, look, what, what have the Democrats done for you? You know, maybe you should really consider voting for Trump. But it's, it's now, it's, now before we key it, you know, it does have some expletives in it, okay? And it does, and the audio does have the, you know, the N word in it. It's a black guy saying it, so I guess that's okay. I don't know, but, um, but just to be aware that you do have that word. You know that you know playing it. We don't really don't like to have that kind of language, but I think that the what the focus of the audio clip way surpasses you know the the oh my gosh he said this right and so um, since we're not uh, monitored by the FCC <laughs> the f bombs a couple f bombs that, that that you hear in there probably aren't going to matter either. Um, but be that as it may, I mean it's. it's 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 an audio clip, and I, you could find the video of it, you know, on the Bard's Logic newsroom. Uh, but just again, that that's something that you know I want to warn folks against. So I know it's a family show, so if uh, your kids you don't want to hear them have it, hearing those two words, then you know you just uh, have them not listen to those parts or or what have you. I mean, it's so common now. I mean, I don't know if it even has the same impact that, that it used to. I'm talking about the the f bombs. The, the I don't you know. So anyway, let's go ahead and key this uh, this clip here, and then we will uh, be back on here to make our commentary and, and move on with the show. I'm Newt Gingrich, and in addition to being former Speaker of the House, I have a Ph.D. in history, and I think about history. So I want to share a little history about COVID and who actually saved 2 million lives. And it may surprise you, but his name is Donald Trump. I got so tired of the dishonesty, the hysteria, and the hypocrisy of Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and the news media, that I felt I had to go back and pull together as a historian the actual record of the United States and President Trump dealing with COVID this year. I'm going to explore, is the correct assertion that because of Donald Trump's failure, 200,000 Americans have died of COVID? Or is the correct assertion that because Donald Trump moved early and aggressively, over 2 million Americans are alive today who would have died if he had followed the advice of Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi and others? This is one of the most important questions 
the American people need to explore and reach a decision about in the next few weeks. The fact is that at a very early date, the president was advised by key public health figures that we had to move decisively or over 2.2 million Americans would die. The president moved very decisively, and as you'll see in the next few minutes, when he moved decisively, people on the left, Biden, Pelosi, Harris, and others, all attacked him. Some ridiculed him uh, because they said he was doing too much, too fast, it wasn't a big threat. So let's put this in context. Let's look at the facts. And I think you'll see how big the difference was between what President Trump did and what his opponents would have done. So in this case, back in December, the Chinese doctor began warning people that something was going on in Wuhan, uh, that there was a SARS-like disease going around, and he was suppressed by the Chinese government. It was back in late December when Lee first warned friends on WeChat about a SARS-like disease going around. Lee sent a group message saying that a test result from a patient quarantined at the hospital where he worked showed a patient had a coronavirus. But hours after hitting send, Wuhan city health officials tracked Lee down, questioning where he got the information. Within days, they closed the suspected source of the virus, this seafood market, and they announced the outbreak. But instead of being praised, Lee got a call from Wuhan City Police. Another Chinese whistleblower, a virologist, said there were over 40 cases before the end of December, and that that information would have potentially stopped coronavirus from spreading to other countries. Our government already knows that before the end of December, there are over 40 people get infected, but not, as they mentioned, like 27. And also, most importantly, there are human-to-human -human transmission already. By January 3rd, the Center for Disease Control Director, Robert Redfield, was warned by his Chinese counterpart of the possibility of a Chinese virus. So he notified Secretary of Health and Human Services, Alex Azar, who immediately started to create a team in the White House. In mid-January, they began talking about, would we need a travel ban? On January 27th, Biden writes an op-ed for USA Today and says the following, quote, I remember how Trump sought to stoke fear and stigma during the 2014 Ebola epidemic. He called President Barack Obama a dope and incompetent and railed against the evidence-based response our administration put in place, which quelled the crisis and saved hundreds of thousands of lives in favor of Reactionary travel bans would only have made things worse. The next day, Ron Klain said the ban is, quote, premature. Would you ban Chinese travelers from arriving in the United States? I wouldn't. I think that's premature. On January 30th, Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel on CNBC, and Emanuel is one of the key advisors to the Democratic Party on health care, tells Americans they should, quote, Take a breath and stop panicking. Everyone in America should take a very big uh, breath, slow down, and stop uh, panicking. On January 31st, the campaign event in Iowa, Biden calls Trump's China travel ban xenophobic. Coronavirus emanating from China. A national emergency, you know, worldwide alerts. The American people need to have a president who they can trust what he says about it that he is going to act rationally about it. In moments like this, this is where the credibility of the president is most needed, as he explains what we should and should not do. This is no time for Donald Trump's record of 
hysteria xenophobia, hysterical xenophobia. And the following day, he doubles down when he tweets out, quote, we are in the midst of a crisis with the coronavirus. We need to lead the way with science, not Donald Trump's record of hysteria, xenophobia, and fear-mongering. He is the worst possible person to lead our country through a global health emergency. The following day, February 2nd, President Trump puts together a ban on travel from China. And it takes a while for it to totally work because there are a substantial number of American citizens who have the legal right to come home even after the ban. But clearly, as of February 2nd, Trump was already moving. On February 3rd, the World Health Organization's director general opposed the ban. There is no reason for measures that unnecessarily interfere with international travel and trade. We call on all countries to implement decisions that are evidence-based and consistent. The World Health Organization is telling everybody not to worry at a point when we now know in retrospect there's a worldwide pandemic beginning to build. By February 24th, Speaker Nancy Pelosi encourages people to visit Chinatown. We want to be careful about how we deal with it, but we do want to say to people, come to Chinatown, here we are. We're, again, careful, safe, and come join us. By February 29th, Trump addresses the nation after the first COVID death. At this moment, we have 22 patients in the United States currently that have coronavirus. Unfortunately, one person passed away overnight. Now, people are coming to grips with this. They're not quite sure exactly what to do. Uh, and on March 8th, Dr. Fauci says people do not need to be wearing masks walking around. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a, a droplet, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. By March 12th, Joe Biden releases his COVID-19 plan, which actually looks pretty plagiarized from the Trump campaign. Uh, and it turns out that um, much of what he's describing is, in fact, precisely what the president is doing. Where I lay out the immediate steps we have to take to deliver one decisive public health response to curb the spread of the disease and to provide treatment to those who need it, and a decisive economic response that delivers real relief to American workers, families, and small businesses, and protects the economy as a whole, are offered as a roadmap, not for what I will do as president 10 months from now, but for the leadership that I believe is needed and required at this very moment. By March 13th, the New York Times released a CDC prediction that 200,000 to 1.7 million people could die. This is actually a lower number than an Oxford University prediction that it could be 2.2 million. On that same day, March 13th, Trump declares a COVID-19 emergency. To unleash the full power of the federal government in this effort today, I am officially declaring a national emergency. On the 17th, Governor Cuomo's positive about President Trump. I spoke to the president this morning again. Uh, he is ready, willing, and able to help. Now, at that point, uh, the Chinese, by March 22nd, begin spreading total disinformation, which is part of what's infuriating. First, that the disease originated in Wuhan, China. Second, that the Chinese blocked experts from coming to see and learn about the disease in an early time of life. And third, they then have 
begun attacking and claiming it didn't start there. An Italian medical expert says the coronavirus may have circulated in Italy before the outbreak in China. On March 25th, Governor Cuomo sent 6,300, 6,300 recovering COVID patients to nursing homes. By March 30th, Dr. Burke says doing everything perfect could still lead to 200,000 deaths. If we do things together well, almost perfectly, we could get in the range of 100,000 to 200,000 fatalities. Now, the reason I think that's important is um, when you have this scale of a pandemic, we're going to suffer losses. And the question is, did President Trump's actions contribute to those losses or did President Trump's actions actually contain the losses? I would argue, and the evidence is going to lay out for you, that, in fact, President Trump probably saved uh, between a million five hundred thousand and two million Americans. By May 15th, President Trump is implementing Operation Warp Speed. Uh, he has already reached out to the private sector. We're beginning to ramp up production of every single thing you need to cope with the disease. And we're beginning to be sort of, uh, just as we were the arsenal of democracy in World War II, uh, we're beginning to be uh, the arsenal of creating health products and beginning to really develop an amazing range of American responses. We have the mightiest military in the long history of humankind. We have the best and most devoted workers ever to walk the face of the earth. And now we're combining all of these amazing strengths for the most aggressive vaccine project in history. The president not only developed Operation Warp Speed, which was aimed at finding a vaccine, but in addition, uh, he also invoked the Defense Production Act. With this new agreement, my administration is using the Defense Production Act to provide a $765 million loan to support the launch of Kodak Pharmaceuticals. In fact, Dr. Fauci has decided that masks are necessary. I'm referring to them now as the fundamentals. And the fundamentals are not rocket science. It's universal wearing of masks, avoiding crowds, close the bars, stay physical distance. It's not that Fauci was, was, was necessarily wrong. Things were changing. People were learning. And I think it's very important to recognize that when you say talk to the president about science, he's listening to these scientists and these medical doctors all the way through. Their advice is also changing as they learn more. By July 30th, in an interview, um, Dr. Fauci says clearly uh, that the president's decision actually saved lives. Do you agree with that decision? I do. Do you think that decision saved lives, Dr. Fauci? Yes, I do. Do you agree with the decision uh, when ultimately we saw spread in Europe and then the president recommended that we extend that to Europe? Did you participate in that discussion? I was actively involved in that discussion, sir. Do you agree with that decision? Yes, I do. Do you think that decision saved lives? Yes, I do. Biden had opposed, Pelosi had opposed, Harris had opposed, the president's travel ban when he put it down. But as the situation got worse, uh, all of a sudden the Democrats decided they have to rewrite history. So here is the national press secretary for the Biden campaign giving you the new version of reality, which was that Biden never said the things Biden said. Let me just clarify. You're saying that Joe Biden was for closing down travel from China when the president did it? 
Joe Biden has been clear, and I can send you the fact checks if they're helpful, Brett. Joe Biden has been clear that he was not against that travel ban. But he was for it? It's important to remember at this point, as Biden is beginning to rewrite the historical record, pretending that he had never said he was against uh, the travel ban, he had never said it was xenophobic, etc., that this is typical. Because when Biden himself was vice president, when he had a job exactly parallel to Vice President Pence's job, uh, he was a disaster. And Ron Klain, who worked with him and is close to him and supports him, said... You know, 60 million Americans got H1N1 uh, in that period of time. And it's just purely a fortuity that this isn't one of the great mass casualty events in American history. So the question is very simple. When you look back over this year, this very challenging, very difficult year, and you realize that the president was being advised that there would be potentially a million and a half dead, according to the Center for Disease Control, potentially over 2.2 million dead based on a study in Great Britain. And he reacted decisively and aggressively. He reacted to help New York City, both by sending a Navy hospital ship with 900 beds, by having the Army set up four field hospitals, and by having the Corps of Engineers build out uh, the convention center to handle another 1,200 beds. And by the way, we, we created so many beds in New York City that almost none of them were used. But the president was responding to the danger of a massive catastrophe, the opposite of what Obama and Biden had done when they were faced with SARS. So you, you, you end up, I think, with a history that's very clear. Uh, president Trump reacted early, reacted based on scientific and medical advice, took very decisive steps, including closing down what had become the best economy in American history, uh, felt that that was necessary to save lives, and did everything he could to accelerate production, both of the therapeutic equipment we use today and of the uh, various vaccines that we hope will decisively defeat uh, COVID. I think the president's view is that we have to fight the virus, not be afraid of the virus. Where Biden wanted to hide in the basement and do nothing, the president felt, as Americans, we had to stand up and enter the battlefield of defeating the virus in every possible way, uh, from uh, social isolation to uh, getting the right kind of therapies. And the therapies have improved dramatically over the last few months, uh, so that the, the virus is going to be less and less of a mortal threat and more and more of a manageable problem. And in that setting, uh, the combination of hypocrisy and hysteria, both in the news media and in the Biden-Harris campaign, I think is just astounding. And I think the question after the American people should be, you want the guy who probably saved a million and a half to two million lives? That's Donald Trump. Or do you want the guy who failed during SARS and failed at the beginning of this crisis, who took the wrong positions, would have allowed travel from China to continue, would have allowed many more Americans to die. And I think that's a huge, real challenge. So I hope this, by allowing you to hear people in their own voices, I hope you can see uh, how dishonest the attack on the president is. Uh, this president didn't have 200,000 Americans die because he failed that. 200,000 Americans tragically died despite the most aggressive action we've seen, action that was vastly stronger 
than anything that Biden did when he was the vice president. And when you look back, you realize that had we followed the Biden-Harris-Pelosi model, we probably would have lost five or six or seven times as many Americans. And I hope it will help you realize that with President Trump, we have somebody who decided to fight the virus, not just be afraid of it, somebody who was willing to stand and use common sense and entrepreneurship, and somebody who probably saved two million lives. Uh, it's inter- uh, okay, I'm probably back on. Uh, I hope everyone there found that as interesting as, as I did. I do got an article. I'm just going to read the title right now, but we're going to bring Kelly back in. Uh, and the article there uh, is – I hate when ads pop up when I'm trying to read an article. <laughs> Come on. Stop. Um, uh, the, it's, and, again, you can find this article at the Bart's Logic website on the Bart's Logic newsroom at www.bartslogicpoliticaltalk.com. And this is an article from October 12th of this year, so two days ago. It says, CDC study taught evidence most who contract COVID-19 frequently wore masks. And that's the title of the article. We'll get back in a minute. But let's go ahead and bring in Kelly. Uh, Kelly, uh, thank you very much. Would uh, you like to make any uh, comments or observations uh, on that audio? Gingrich is a phenomenal communicator. Yeah, I think he's a great president, but anyway. Well, you just simply look at the facts. January, Trump said, no more Chinese coming into our country. And Gingrich pointed that out. It's like this stupid argument that, oh, Trump caused a virus, and oh, he didn't show that. No, it's up to the governors of the states. Right. It's not up to the president to shut. Why are talking about that? I don't understand. I, I don't hear anything on, on the big media, even the big conservative media, that talk about, hey, we're a republic, right, up to the up to the – uh, the governors. I don't know why we haven't heard more of that. Go ahead, Kelly. But we haven't. The 13 colonies that became a state formed the federal government. And without authorization from nine of the 13 colonies, the federal government would not have its existence. The federal government gets its authority from the states. And the states get the authority from the people. When are we going to learn that's the way our founders set it up? So Trump actually recognized this. And he turned it over to the governors. Because the federal government doesn't have the power to do into states what people think. So why are we blaming Trump when the governors of multiple blue states shut down their economies? Hello? Trump has got the Constitution figured out that the federal government is like the union, but the states are still sovereign, citing Prince versus U.S., where Justice Scalia said, in our country we have a system of dual sovereignty. States versus the federal government to keep each other in check. Yes, the states created the federal government, not the other way around. 
and therefore Trump allowing the governors of the states to do whatever they want. You have some states where the governor says, oh, shut it down, shut it down, lock down businesses. In South Dakota, by the way, the governor of South Dakota made a statement. I have no power to determine if your business is essential because that's not the power of the governor. In that statement, the governor of South Dakota protected the liberties of a free people within her state. And South Dakota is not going to enforce any vaccine mandates. So Trump got it right. It's like all of a sudden we're blaming Trump? No. It's the governors. Should I mention again? The governors. Did I mention the governors? Okay, so Articles 9 and 10 of the Bill of Rights. You know, the states are sovereign, and we're only going to give you so much power. And whatever power we have not delegated to the federal government is reserved to the states and the people. And so Gingrich got this, and he went in a long speech about it, blah, 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 blah. Okay, I just summarized it in a few minutes. Each of the 50 states is sovereign except what power they've given to the federal government. Trump respected it back. And so if you want to blame somebody, you have no business blaming a president who protected our borders by not allowing the Chinese in in early January. Oh, wait, February said Europeans that are having – nope, boom. We're not allowing Europeans in because we're trying to isolate our country from foreign influences. That authority – the president has. Now, within the state, it's up to the governors. Trump got it right. The problem well, here, Tom, where where Trump tried to say he, uh, you know, he had, you know, he could do what he what he needed to do or, or something, and uh, a lot of people got him together. Like, you know, you don't, you can't do that. You're, that's like a dictator. Remember when? When he did that, when he's like, oh, why could you do this? You know, he named a number of different things that really were. He was actually wrong, I believe, because um, it was up to the states. But they all kind of hit back with him like, oh, no. And then, of course, the media kept saying, see, this is what an authoritarian looks like. This is what somebody thinks you're a king looks like. Remember that? Within the federal purview – Trump has incredible authority as authorized by the Constitution and Congress, and he acted within those bounds. But he left it up to the governors because that was not in his purview within the states. He got it right. I'm talking jurisdiction, which is the most the, – the first fundamental question of an issue is – Jurisdiction. He has jurisdiction in federal manners and how other foreigners are coming into our country. Within the states, he does not, and he knew that. He turned it over to the governors. Jurisdiction. Read your constitution. Articles 9 and 10 of the Bill of Rights. Hello? He got it right. And Gingrich supported this. Of course, those who want to say that Trump is the king. They're used to the Obama years when Obama tried to be king, and so did Clinton who tried to be king. Again, Prince versus U.S. Clinton said, hey, I want all 
city cops and county sheriffs to confiscate the guns. And Sheriff Prince and Sheriff Mack, who I met, who I've talked to, gave me a ride to the airport after after a presentation. Yeah, before the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court said, "Hey, we have dual sovereignty," which means the president Clinton cannot tell the states, the sheriffs, the local chief of police, you cannot confiscate the guns. Oh, sure, Clinton said confiscate the guns, but due to our separation of states and counties and cities, we have separate jurisdictions. Trump respected the different jurisdictions. When we separate, this is the biggest issue: jurisdiction, 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 jurisdiction. The Dems keep thinking that Obama was the king, Clinton was the king, Trump is the king. Oh, wait, no. Trump didn't enforce his kingship on the states and local governments because he knew his limits from the Constitution. Why is this confusing? It's not. You study the Constitution. There you go. Different respective jurisdiction. Local, state, federal. There you go. Gingrich supported subtly what I have explained in details. Does this make sense, Robert? Well, yeah, certainly. I just wish more people would understand that. (laughs) Well, we're on the same page. Why are we expecting a king to save our lives? Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson said, look. A government big enough to give you everything you want is big enough to take everything you have. Well, how do you prevent that from happening? You separate the jurisdictions. Trump got it right. Gingrich supported him. I'm being repetitive right now, so hopefully our audience gets this. Yeah, and I think our audience does. I think it's the people who uh, otherwise would argue this, uh, with this that, that that would have the problem uh, with that. And yeah, and that's why I don't understand. And, then, and that's why you know I, I shared the numbers many times. Like, look, if you look at uh, you know, the numbers of the people who were not cases, but the people who were you know who died from COVID, uh, it was more in the states run by Democrats than the states that were run by Republicans. Well, when Cuomo still, decided to what, go, go ahead. Cuomo decided to take a bunch of infected COVID people and put them in nursing homes. There was a lady that hung a huge blanket over a bridge. Cuomo killed my grandmother. Obviously, the person's grandmother was in a nursing home, and Cuomo sent infected people into a nursing home. Are you serious? Is that how you deal with this? Do we not respect the old, the elderly, people that we should respect and stand up in their presence? In their presence, should we not respect them? Cuomo didn't. No, we just sent infected people in a nursing home. A bunch of nursing home people died. 
This is what a tyrant does. I don't even know why people are going to – anyway, I just uh, – uh, frustrating. Do we not have any value in human life? So I, w- I won't be surprised if Cuomo gets indicted by a grand jury and tried and went to jail for attempted murder or accessory to murder. So this is a very serious emotional thing when you yeah, okay. We gotta stop playing games with corona because it's over exaggerated. And by the way, I have a doctor that I want to bring on the show that can reveal that yeah, it's the way they reported it. It's how they reported it. They created a false Epidemic, many people call it a pandemic or a planned demic. Yes, corona yeah. is real. Yes, I, I think, I, I think it's more of a yeah. That that's what I'm thinking. It's more of I do. I really think it was. I do. I think the timing of it. And uh, you know, I, I think it's too raw now. But I'm telling you, I think that years from I think from years from now, and yeah. I, I think that I think it's going to come out. I do. I, I mean, and I think that's one of the reasons why they don't want Trump in the power. Because I think if he does get, you know, reelected, there's going to be so much stuff because he's going to be worried about getting reelected that he's going to expose. It's going to be unbelievable, and I think they know it. And, and here's a, an interesting article uh, before I get over to, uh, uh, and we can always go, come back to stuff. Uh, now, again, this was uh, just an article from a couple of days ago. Okay. And it says, CDC study found evidence most who contract COVID-19 frequently wore masks. And, you know, so I know this is going to be some scary for some people, but, you know, again, this is uh, what I read here. Now, why it's not let me scroll down my this article, I don't know, so I'm just going to have to reopen it. It was to let me scroll down here. So it says, without, uh, it says, without question, this uh COVID-19 pandemic appears to have been the most politicized virus in the history of America, and for no good reason. As the country struggles to return to some semblance of normalcy amid ongoing lockdowns and other restrictions after Americans were initially told they would only last two to three weeks, remember, to you know flatten the curve so the hospitals can get ready, we're still not getting accurate information about the virus, or as is too often the case, we're not getting all the information, and that is the fault of the garbage mainstream media. For instance, did you know that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention confirmed in a study published last month, so we're talking about September, that regular use of masks are not doing much good in terms – and you talked about this, Kelly. You talked about this because being a civil engineer, and I tell people this all the time, you know, about you know the, the microns and this and that, the way you talked about here on Bard's Logic. And you said this months ago, and now it's just coming out. I'm telling you, folks, you, you, sometimes you hear things first here, uh, and this is something you pointed out, Kelly, way before the CDC came out with this. Uh, but anyway, it says the Federalist has more details. The Center for Disease Control report released in September shows that masks and face coverings are not effective in preventing the spread of COVID-19, even for those who consistently wear them. A study conducted in the United States in July 
found that when they compared 154, quote, case patients who tested positive for COVID-19 to a control group of 160 participants from the same healthcare facility who were symptomatic but tested negative, over 70% of the case patients were contaminated with the virus and fell ill despite, quote, always wearing a mask. In the 14 days before illness onset, 71% of case patients and 74% of control participants reported always using cloth face coverings or other mask types when in public, the report stated. There's more. The study also demonstrates that under 4% of the case patients became sick when the virus, with the virus, even though they, quote, never wore a mask or face covering, the federalists reported. Under 4%. So why exactly are Americans being forced to comply with ridiculous mask mandates when the CDC itself is well aware that the vast majority of masks being worn by Americans are next to worthless in terms of preventing the spread of COVID-19? How many times have we heard the experts and Democrats lead some version of this phrase, we need to follow science? What about when the science tells us what we're doing isn't working? And why can't we follow the science then? You see, what we're saying about how politicized the virus has become, when we can't even admit the, quote, science, confirms our national approach to a novel coronavirus. Wearing masks to, quote, prevent the spread isn't working. Then our political system is completely broken. It adds, despite over 70% of the case patient participants' efforts to follow CDC recommendations by committing to always wearing a face covering at gatherings with greater than 10 or more persons in a home, shopping, dining at a restaurant, go to an office setting, salon, gym, bar, coffee shop, or religious church gatherings or public transportation, they still contracted the virus. Characterization of community exposure can be difficult to assess when widespread transmission is occurring, especially as asymptomatic persons with inherently interconnected communities support states. In fact, the report goes on to suggest that direction, ventilation, and intensity of airflow might affect virus transmission even as social distance measurings and masks are used, implementing according to current guidance. Before CDC politicization, our, quote, science told us that only N95 masks are effective against stopping the spread. Now, any old mask is kryptonite against COVID, except they aren't, and the CDC has admitted it. No wonder fewer and fewer Americans trust our government institutions. And that's it. So... You might, you, as I stated, Kelly, you stated this months ago, months ago, and, and, and now you got the CDC coming out with it. And, you know, I, and I understand how that scares people because people are like, oh, man, you know, I, I think this damn mask, this wet damn mask can make me aware, and it means nothing. Well, yeah, I mean, these masks don't do anything. I'm an expert in filtration. So, if you can put a mask on and you can blow smoke through your mask, that means, well, what's the size of smoke? Fire smoke, cigarette smoke, two microns. Two microns. 
the virus is only 0.2 microns, actually smaller than that, but the virus is 10 times smaller or one-tenth the size of the filtration of a mask. These masks are only suggested to induce fear in other Americans. That's why I don't wear a mask. Now, Attorney Gen uh, Surgeon General, Surgeon General Jerome Adams, the black guy, he's amazing, he first came out and said, you know what, masks are really dangerous because when you wear a mask, you're constantly adjusting and readjusting throughout the day. You're touching surfaces in your normal daily course. You're touching these surfaces, and then you bring your hand to your mask. You're actually bringing the virus to your mask, which is closer to your face. So masks are not a good idea. And then he changed his mind. Now, Fauci, he did the same thing. Oh, masks don't do anything. Oh, yes, they do. Oh, no, they don't. It's like the whole goal of a mask is to induce fear. That's why I don't wear a mask because I'm not subjecting your – I'm not going to subject other people to fear. I'm going to subject other people to freedom plus the facts and being a filtration expert displays it's BS. There's a political agenda, which is vote by mail, vote by mail. Oh, yeah, vote by mail. Yes. Oh, we can have these riots all over the place, and we can have Trump rallies, but no, 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 no. Don't go vote. So we have vote by mail. Yes, vote by mail, which is so vulnerable to endless manipulation. It's point-blank frightening. So what's going to happen? Are we going to have an honest election? Let's suppose Biden wins. The right, the conservatives are not going to be happy. If Trump wins, the left is not going to be happy. When you create a confused and cluttered, unbelievable mess of an election, how can we, tr how can we trust whichever president gets put in power? It's the confusion that they have designed, which we will see in the next few months. Hopefully, we'll get sorted out. When you have confusion, you're going to have endless riots. You think the Portland and Seattle riots were bad? When we have a confused election, we're going to see a lot worse in the months to come. I have said before in other programs, other shows, that from November through January, we're going to have a very trying time. I hope people are prepared. Back to you. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, when it comes to the masks, I mean, they won't even let you in places here without them. You know, I wear them when I have to wear them, to be honest. Um, I mean, I, you know, I do the hand washing. I use the, uh, you know, I, I use the uh, hand sanitizer. You know, I've, I've been staying away from Gentleman's Club. <laughs> but uh, come on, not even Chuckle Kelly? Man, come on. But uh, I thought at least I'd get a chuckle out of you from it. Um, but anyways, but, you know, but I only wear the mask. Now, one thing that drives me crazy, and this is one way you can tell a liberal, 
and it's afraid how how afraid that they are, is that I see people who are walking and jogging alone on the street wearing a mask. I see people in their car alone wearing a mask. And I'm like, you're in your car. I mean, I know a guy who literally bought a ton of masks and puts the date on the mask and only wears the one mask uh, a day. I mean, every day he throws away a new mask. I mean, could you imagine that? And, and he's a young, no, he has asthma, so I get where, you know, he might be, he's, he's being a little more cautious. I get that. But this, this, yeah, this kid, I call him a kid, he's in his 20s, you know, but for me, I don't want to say. Uh, but yeah, for that, he, uh, I, I mean, literally, he throws the mask away every day. It's just, a, it's, a, it, it's a terrible and it's a shame on how afraid that they've got people. It, it really is. I mean, yes, is it a deadly disease? Yes, for certain people. Is it an awful thing to have? Yes. But uh, are we carrying it way out of proportion? I certainly think so. Well, here's a question for you. If the virus is so deadly, why do we not have biohazard bins? You would have a trash can. And then you'd have a biohazard trash can for the masks. Why don't we have biohazard trash cans? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, people just throw them away willy-nilly. That's true. I mean, real simple. You have a biohazard trash can with UV light blasting everything below the lid. Why don't we have these? That's how you deal with it. Uh, I happen, to have a, I happen to have a master's degree in science. I've had five chemistry classes. I've had microbiology classes. In civil engineering, you have to understand bacteria because bacteria is the one that eats the wastewater and all sorts of other – and the water treatment side of things. Water treatment, you know, you have all these viruses and this and that. You hit it with chlorine, peroxide, UV light. Why aren't we having – UV trash cans, UV trash cans, a trash can with a UV light for a bio, biohazard disposal. No, we don't have – we have the technology to do this. Are we doing it? No. Why not? Because it's not real. It's unbelievable. Fear, 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 fear. Let's impose fear on people so we shut down an economy and all sorts of things. And vote by mail, which is vulnerable. Oh, goodness. Well, it, it doesn't make any sense. Oh, well, wait a minute. If you got these masks and you got this gap between your skin and the mask, about one millimeter, which is like over, you know, times the size of the virus. So it goes out if you have the virus. And you're walking through Walmart, and you've got uh, HVAC systems with ventilation, and the virus floats in and around all over the store. Why don't we have UV devices in the HVAC system to kill the virus? Nope, we don't have that. <clears throat> we just wear masks. Oh, let's just wear masks. Are you people serious? Masks do nothing. Oh, well, that little thing of... Okay, if you're sick and you cough or you sneeze, yeah, it'll prevent like 
out of 10,000 viruses escaping your nose or your throat from the cough, okay, maybe 100 viruses will sneak out. But it, but the majority of them, phlegm, bodily fluid emissions, yeah, okay. Meanwhile, your everyday breath releases them, releases them out into the air. This is a fraud. This is coercion. This is a game. There is a doctor that has put together a report when I was on a conference call just before the show. We got to get him on your program to explain how the CDC March 24th memo changed the reporting methods to create enormous fear. In this fear, the economy is shut down. People are drinking alcoholics. There's spousal abuse, domestic violence, crime, suicide, and child abuse. And the WHO recently came out and said, you know, we should maybe not do these lockdowns because it creates all sorts of side effects, and the side effects are worse than the actual virus. Now, maybe we, maybe we should reconsider the lockdown. Hello? Hello? Fear, 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 fear. Induce fear. Fear, 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 fear. Did not oh, God yeah. create our – did not God create our natural immune system? Our immune system has failed, and mankind is over. Through the centuries, through the millennium, we have had these disease and the plague and the Black Plague in Europe and blah, blah, blah. Okay. We have survived – these viruses and these bacteria and these diseases over and over and over as a species because we have a naturally made, by God, immune system. And our immune system is what beats this, not a mask. Unbelievable. But the goal is fear, 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 fear. The goal is fear. So, I mean, again, I'm an expert in filtration. That's what we civil engineers do. We screen out like 99% of the viruses. We hit it, the rest of the viruses with chlorine and UV and peroxide and ozone. So you have a nice, clean drinking water when you get a glass of water from the tap. We know this. And because of this, we have added longevity to the human life. But some people have a political agenda that is propagated through fear, and here we are. So why are we not opening the economy again? I want to move to South Dakota. The governor said, hey, I'm not going to determine what's essential business or not because I don't have that authority. There you go. South Dakota is free. Other states, free. California, not so much. New York, not so much. So we got to figure this out. Again, I have a doctor that's worked on a report that exposes how the CDC 
change the reporting method, which results in fear. And in this fear, the business and the economy is shutting down. I'd like to get him on the air. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm always, you know, I'm welcome to have folks on. Yeah. So, anyway. So before I become repetitive, what's the, what's the next topic? Well, the next topic is, uh, I mean, you know that you've heard of, you know, flexes, uh, you know, and things of that nature, uh, and how much that the Democrats have been trying to, you know, put forth that Trump is a racist, uh, and, and they think that by you know, supporting Black Lives Matter, that they're going to bring in all these blacks to vote, you know, to, to vote for them. Or, the, you know, but the, uh, the clip I'm going to play, it's, it's an amazing clip. Now, again, as a warning to folks out there, if you're listening to this live, you're listening to the archive, um, and you have kids, you don't want to ha- hear them, hear some F-bombs being, oh, welcome, Flycatch. I, I haven't had the opportunity to uh, look in the chat, but welcome. It's good to see you. Um, but anyway, is we have where they try to convince, you know, the you know, black Americans that, you know, oh, well, Trump's a racist and things of that nature, supporting, you know, BLM and things of that nature. Well, the, the, again, this, this clip is amazing. Yep, there are, again, you know, one of warn folks that if they have kids, you listen to their live, you listen to the archive, there are some F-bombs that, get, that fly here sometimes. And you also have, uh, you know, you, you hear the N-word again. These are two black guys. Uh, talking with each other, so you know they throw the word around. So I mean, it's not it's not in any way being used in a derogatory way, to uh, which I find amazing. But anyway, uh, it's not being used in a derogatory way to um, you know, to the to the person you're talking to. It's just uh, that's just how they and you know, they talk to each other. But it's it's an amazing clip. I want to make sure uh, that I get it uh, played here. And again, what this is to give you a synopsis, it's. Uh, you know, a black guy supporting Trump. And there's a couple things in here that he says that are just amazing. I wish more people would think this way. Uh, but anyway, let me go ahead and uh, mute our mic to key this clip, and we'll uh, we'll get it again. It's a, and you can see the video. Uh, the video is not much. It's basically just the face of the guy. You don't even really see much until the end of the video of the guy who's talking with. Uh, but you'll you'll see it. But anyway. Uh, again, go to the Bart Sludge website, go to the newsroom, and you can uh, you know, watch the video that, that's associated with it. Uh, but let me get that keyed up for us. All right, y'all, so I'm back. We're up here registering people to vote. And I got my brother, man, I've known for a long time. Love this dude to death, man. He's a really good dude, right? So I say, hey, bro, you got you registered to vote this year? And he's like, yeah, I'm voting. I say, who you voting for? He was like, you already know. I'm like, Trump? He's like, hell no. Hell no. I'm like, bro, are you serious? So he's asking me. He said, Cass, why? Why vote for Trump? Okay? Before we get into it, because I'm going to break it down to you, why are you voting for Biden? I think he's a better person. Why? Because what's going on now in the situation with Trump? What Trump situation? What's going on now? Shit just fucked up. I believe he could come in and do a, do a better job. You really do? I believe. What has he done? You know he's been in politics for 47 years. What has he done in 47 years? Uh-huh. 
What has he done in 47 years? Like what? I mean, I just believe he'll do better than Trump. Did you know that Biden, in 47 years of politics, has only been a racist, said racist things about you and me, personally, as black people, and made a bill to incarcerate black people with Bill Clinton? The crime bill. Look it up. The man just said, you ain't black. Unless you vote for him. All right? He also said he didn't want his children going to school in a racial jungle. Didn't want integration. He was for segregation. Also, not only that, he also said that poor kids can be just as bright and just as intelligent as white kids. Meaning that black, brown, red, yellow are poor. When he thinks poor, he doesn't think white at all. He's thinking about you and me. The dude ain't did nothing but hurt black people. And then his running mate, Kamala Harris, she's got a career of locking up black people. A career. Now, let's move over to Trump. You asked me why I'm going for Trump. Before Trump was the president, did not everybody love him? In their music videos, rap videos, all the magazines. He got awards from black communities and the NAACP. Everybody loved him. But then when he came to president, they said he's a racist. Why? I'm going to tell you why. Because when he came into politics, he started, what he said, drain the swamp. He started taking out all the, not just politicians, the evil, corrupt politicians. Fired them, took them out, made them go away, and put in his people. Did you notice since he's been president? Un- the, the economy has been better than it ever been. Unemployment at an all-time low. More jobs created than ever before. He stopped making, pe- making us an uh, uh, importer and made us an exporter. To me, that means we make more money. People talk about the wall that he wanted to build over there in Mexico. Do you know why he wanted to build the wall? And remember they said that he was racist because he said that, that my brothers and sisters is Mexican is murderers and rapists and stuff, right? That's not what he said. If you listen to the clip, he said that the MS-13, the gang, are rapists and murderers, not Mexicans. Not Mexicans. But they twisted that to make everybody around us believe that he's a racist. Okay? Then they say, make America great again. What does he mean? When was America great? When you talk about make America great again, what he means is make America, like what I just said, an exporter again. Have jobs again. Have people believe in the American dream again, that they want to come to this country and they know that they're going to make it. Had nothing to do with race. All right? Not only that, the man gave funding for the next 10 years. This has never been done for historic black colleges and universities, the HBCUs. Barack Obama didn't even do that. He did prison reform, meaning which directly affects, affects us as black people because we fill up the prison. You feel me? He said, if you're a nonviolent offender and it's just like drugs or something and you ain't kill nobody or pull a gun on nobody, you get to come, you can come home, man. There's programs set in place for you to be able to come home. He did everything that he could to show by his actions that he ain't a racist and a damn good president. He did all that. Yet, we still running around here. The people that only watch the news, we're saying, hell no, we vote for Biden because Biden was with Obama. Or Biden did so much great. But nobody can tell you none of the great that he did. But they can pull up every single thing that he's done to the black community. Specifically, Hillary Clinton called us super predators. Matter of fact, if the, man isn't, if the man isn't a racist, why did he speak at the KKK members' eulogy? 
and said that he was his uh, hero or inspiration or whatever. So why, why does he deserve your vote and not the man who's actually showing you that he cares about you? The president has done more for the hood, black community, Hispanic community, than any other president since Lincoln. Tell me, why would he? you know me, bro? I'm 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 a hood nigga. You know me, so why would I be telling you that? Bill Clinton is the one that did that that the crime bill, but they pushed it. Exactly, he knows his stuff. He knows his stuff. He been bringing them back. And that's why they did this coronavirus shit. Exactly, he bought steel manufacturing, the automobile industry. They said that that was dead. And look at us now, booming. They hit us with coronavirus. You notice that when coronavirus hit, they said everybody got to stay in the house. Nobody could go out. But yet, if you're Black Lives Matter or Antifa, you could go out and protest and burn shit down and nobody's going to say nothing. But the coronavirus is so bad. We out here standing with masks. You feel me? Why? It's an agenda. So, bro, the reason why I'm having this conversation with you is because it's important. Your vote is very important this year. They've been getting the black vote. You know, Lyndon B. Johnson said that I'm going to have these niggas voting Democrat for the next 200 years. And we do, blindly. Latinos and blacks, we vote Democrat blind as hell. Don't even know why we do. We just do. Did you know that the black people are the ones that started the Republican Party? Did you know that? We were Republicans. They crippled us with welfare. Section 8. They kicked us out the homes, bro. Made the woman look at you and be like, I don't need you. I'll go get, I'll take care of, uh, by the state. I'll go get food stamps. Which led you to be upset, me to be upset, go out and sell drugs because we're trying to prove to our family that we can provide even though they ain't giving us no jobs. Then we get locked up under that crime bill. And then we're locked up and we're stuck there. That was under Biden. 47 years, bro, in politics, and they did nothing for us. Trump, people have already loved Trump for forever. Why would you want to be the president of the United States when you're already a, a billionaire? You have every woman that you could possibly want at your feet. You don't need the fame because you got the fame already, right? So what reason would he have to become the president of the United States? Did you know that he's never taken a check since he's been in office? One dollar. Yes. One dollar. Every other check he's donated. While being president, he's the only president in history for his net worth to drop, to go down. That's why I'm asking you if you register to vote, bro, so you can vote for the right person who's going to help us out, man. Who's going to do more for us, not just even us as black people, because it's not about that. We need to even stop calling each other black. We American, bro. Mm -hmm. You feel me? We are American. Straight up. So can you do me a favor? When you come in here with me, I haven't feed you a slice of pizza. Register to vote. Come kick with me and my kids for a sec. Make sure you register to vote. And then no, no, think register. about it. Just, just, you know, I'm make register. sure a little update. Yeah, little update. All right. For sure, for sure. Can I count on your vote? I'm out here for a reason, bro. You know I ain't going to lie to you. I never have. You been my dog. You feel me? You been my dog, bro. You always going to be my dog. I'm trying to tell you. I, if you want... I'm going to give you my, my new number. I'm trying to tell you, brother. I'm trying to tell you. They the, they, they the real racist, man. They tell you Trump's racist and can't give you nothing to show that he's a racist. But can give, I can give you everything to show you that he's not. 
But I can show you clip after clip after clip after clip after clip in its entirety of Biden saying some messed up racist stuff, bro. And then his actions, the bills that he's passed through that was he got behind were racist, directly targeting you and me. So why the hell would we give him our vote? They think we're stupid. They think because he was with Barack Obama. Why do you think he chose Kamala Harris as his running mate? She wasn't even qualified. They didn't want her in the primary when she was running to be the, the, the uh, candidate against Trump. They didn't want her then. So why pick her now? After she called you a racist. In the debate. Think about it. Because they think we're stupid. We're going to see a black woman be like, oh, well, he, she could be the female Barack Obama. Well, let's vote. That's why. Trump been did a lot, a whole lot, not just for the hood, bro, not just for, for black communities, but for America, which is what a president is supposed to do, not single out one or the other because of their color. All of us are American, and that's how he looks at us, is as Americans, not as niggas, not as black, not as none of that. That's why he said what he said. He said, look, what do you got to lose? You've been voting the same way. You've been voting for these people for how long? And look it. So what do you really got to lose? Give me a chance. And he's shown you. He's shown everybody. So I'm counting on you, man, and everybody else that you know. If you could, when you get to talking to people, bro, tell them exactly what I just told you. Trump 2020? Trump 2020? Can I get that? My brother. My brother. That's what it's about. That's what it's about right there. Trump 2020. He voting Trump. He already registered. He was going to vote Biden. Didn't know none of the stuff I just told him right now. And everything that I'm telling you, you can look up. You can, if you want, I'll show you right now. I'll get off the phone and I'll show you. That's what it's about, y'all. You want to make a difference, get out there and talk to people. It's starting right there in your own hometown, man, where you from, so people know you. Your credibility ain't in question. I ain't got no motive. This is my boy. This is my boy, man. And that is my motive, to keep America great, because he already made it great again. Now we're trying to keep it great, all right? So... Get out there if you haven't already, man, and talk to people. Talk to your neighbors. Let them know. Bring the facts to them, not your feelings, not your opinion. Present the facts. Say what you know to be a fact so they can verify that, and then they know, yo, he wasn't lying. You know what? I'm going to switch my vote this year. That's what we need to do, and I'm I'm sure you're going to talk to everybody else about it. My brother, I appreciate you. Straight up. I'm going to get in here with my baby, bro. You have a good day. That's what we're trying to do out here, y'all. Unite, don't fight, be a street like it's only you can be the change that you want to see in the world. And when you get too stressed out, remember to pray, America. Trump 2020. Woo! Yeah, brother! I like how they did that. Uh, it's like a wrestling thing afterwards. I think they're uh, like a Hulk Hogan thing. But but actually, I mean, more so is the, the one of the – it was a, a great video, great audio. And one of the things that really stuck to me, and, and I say this all the time, is when he's like, you know, they need to stop calling us black. They need to just call us Americans. And I've been saying that for years, even before Trump was even elected. You know, call, you know, call us Americans. I, you know, I, I still hate it when they start coming out with, you know, African Americans and Asian Americans and Latino Americans and whatever Americans. It's like, so am I a Euro American? Because a lot of my ancestry, am I a Euro slash Native American? Because I have uh, ancestry on both sides. Uh, so that was, you know, that was great what, what he said that. Like, oh, well, we're just Americans. And I wish more people would see themselves. And, and, and that's what I don't understand about where, and of course it's projected, 
projection where the Democrats – and they get away with it. How they get away with it, I don't know. But they get away with saying that it's the, the, the Republican Party who are the ones who are the dividers. When it's actually them, I mean they're the ones who do uh, – you know, they're always based off of you know, what group you are, whether it's a religious group, whether it's a racial group, whether it's your socioeconomic group. You know, whether it's a religious group, you know, they are, you know, they, they, they're the ones who do all the dividing. So, I, so again, it's more, it's more projection. It's, it's what they do. And so, and I do, I think that more and more people, getting back to the, the audio, I think more, you know, of black Americans, I mean, see, even that, you know, but you, you, when you, I, I get there's times when you, have to use it as a descriptive, but he is right. We're all Americans. I wish we could just all go by that. Um, but for some reason, we have to qualify, and that's what they do. It they got to qualify, and as if and this might sound wrong, but it's not any more special, or it shouldn't be any more special or any more meaningful for you know you know a, a black person to vote for. You know, Trump or Republican, but there's this big deal made out of it. Oh my gosh, if you're Repo- if you're black, you know, voting for Republicans, it's like it shouldn't be a big deal, but it is. I mean, even with us who who believe that, yeah, we should all just be Americans. When you hear, yeah, there's more there's more you know black people who are voting for 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 Trump in this case, that it is more of like, oh, you do it, you 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 and uh, subconsciously. Maybe even consciously think, oh wow, oh, look at all those people, whether they're black or Latinos or or, or, or you know or gays. I know a female who, um, who she's a millennial and she's bisexual and she dyes her hair different colors and things of that nature, and she has a friend who, oh you know, you, are you registered to vote? Are you going to vote? You know, she's posting all this Biden stuff, right? And she's like, are you going to vote? You know, are you going to vote? And, and the girl's like, yeah, I'm going to vote. I'm going to vote. And the girl's like, oh, thank you for doing so much, you know, for our country. And she's presuming that because this girl is a millennial, because this girl is bisexual, because this girl dyes her hair different colors and things of that nature, that they're automatically going to vote for Biden. I mean, it's that preconceived, and I don't get where people say that Trump's against, and I can get Kelly back in, where and, and which leads me to believe, like, I don't ever even understand that mindset. I get millennials because they think that you know all millennials, you know, are going to vote for Trump, but I don't understand why there's this thought. You know, I know, but I, I probably because of Pence, and Pence is really religious, and you know, it's the, the judges that Trump has put forth, you know, are probably conservative judges that, you know, otherwise, you know, are aren't as friendly with, you know, the community, right? And so, but I, I, I still don't understand the mindset. But but beyond that, I mean, that's the peripheral. I but there's nothing that Trump, you know, has ever done or said, you know. That I think was was against you know that community. But let's go ahead and bring uh, Kelly back in. Um, so uh, I I seen that your mic dropped a little bit there, Kelly. Uh, but I see you are back into the show and uh, welcome. Welcome back. Yeah. I'm glad you're able to call in before Bard's Logic After Dark, which is in 15 minutes. So if anyone's call drops, 
then unfortunately uh, you won't be able to get called back into the show. So hopefully we've got that settled for you. Go ahead. Oh, there's a whole bunch of issues. And I'm beginning to wonder, why are we trying to appease to the left when they won't listen to us? We noticed that... uh, Yeah, so there was a big Florida rally, Trump rally, with a ton of people. So why are we trying to appease to the left, which, you know, Biden has like 20, 30 people show up to his rally, and Trump has 20,000. Why are we trying to appease the left on whatever ideals they have? Why are we trying this? This is called, like, vanity, a waste of our time. I mean, sure, the left might have a couple good points, and then they go off on the idea of socialism, which is forced compassion. Oh, I want to be compassionate for people. Then why aren't you helping with the homeless shelter, which I have for years? That's not forced compassion. That's voluntary compassion. Well, I want to feel good about myself. Really? So you're going to force me and my fellow Americans by force? To give compassion upon your fellow man, forced compassion. That's what socialism is, forced compassion. And I, as a libertarian, yeah, I, I, as a libertarian, just don't like that word force. Compassion, I love. Force, I don't. Forced compassion. That's what socialism is, forced compassion. The American people have been living in a land of liberty for centuries, starting in 1620 when the Mayflower landed. And this idea of liberty just happened to stick. It just didn't stick. It went into not just our minds and our hearts, not just our bones, not just our soul. It went into our genetics. But liberty is worth dying for. And in doing so, we not just fight in liberty unto the death, We fight for others and their liberty. And so you want to try this idea of forced compassion? Are you out of your mind? Do you not know the history of America? Do you not know the liberties our founding fathers fought for? Not just the founding fathers, but the founding generation. Forced compassion doesn't, it just grates against the grain of nature. The grain of nature says, you're free, you're free, you're free, you're free, you're free. Oh, that's right, Bill of Rights. They put it in. Codified liberties, the natural law of freedom. And those who want to force compassion are going against the natural grain of liberty. So why are we concerned about the liberal left that wants to force compassion? Force. Let me say it another way. Forced compassion. Okay, forced compassion. Compassion, go good. Forced compassion. Is this making sense now? Well, that kind of is in line with where, you know, they try to to equate, and this is what I don't understand with the Catholic Church, 
uh, and, Christ- and Christians for that matter, your liberal Christians for that matter, I don't understand because they try to say that, oh well, they're more they're more charitable than conservatives are. But it, I think it's kind of in line with, well, isn't that more like forced, you know, charity? I mean, because you know that's what taxation is. Like, oh well, we need to. You know, have more taxes so we can have more social programs, so we can have, you know, try to feed more people and this and that. It's like, well, that's that's was supposed to be under the purview of charities, not the government. I mean, and that's not being charitable by saying, oh, yeah, that's the government taking your money and forcing you to be charitable. And and, and from my understanding of it, correct me if I'm wrong, but forced charity is really not part of the, the the Christian doctrine anyway, is it not? I mean, is it? I mean, you're supposed to give the money and give of your, you know, properties or whatever for uh, under your own free will, not under the force of government. Totally, it's a voluntary system, absolutely voluntary, and it's supposed to be. Here's what's mind-blowing in Scripture, okay? Again, I helped the homeless. Several nights ago, there's a homeless lady. She knocks on my door. It's kind of a funny discourse because she's joking around a little bit here and there. And she wants to stay in my house. I'm like, uh, no. She tries again graciously. I'm like, no, oh, no. And, and then she jokes around about something. I'm like, oh, she's in a jovial mood. A, a jovial mood. So I says, oh, I know. I tell you what, you're looking for a place to stay for tonight. I'll go ahead and I'll just go ahead and call YPD, Marika Police Department. I'll call YPD, and and I'll have you arrested for trespassing. And they'll come, and they'll pick you up, and they'll put you in the jail overnight. Tomorrow morning, I'll drop the charges. I'll drop the trespassing charges. And thus, you'll get a night in the jail over for free. Now, she busted up laughing. You know? She knows I wouldn't prosecute her. I would drop the charges. And she knows that I know she's homeless. She can't stay in my house. Okay. It was she's busting up laughing. We're both busting up laughing. Yeah, I'll call the cops. You get busted for trespassing. You get a night in the jail. I drop the charges the next day. And the problem with that, though, the homeless person seeing that, she will try that night after night after night after night. <laughs> so I let her sleep in my truck. I parked the truck out in the street so it's you know public that was voluntary though I said look I want to help you it's a voluntary that's all I can do you go ahead you park in my you sleep in my truck that is voluntary compassion again I've been working with the homeless for over six years now seven anyway the best Solution to the homeless problem is voluntary. Voluntary. Did I mention voluntary? Voluntary compassion. Yet we change the laws so that housing is cheap to build. 
why is it in California houses are so expensive? Because some jackass corporation, pardon my French, but some jackass corporation wants to sell their product, and they do it through the building code. Again, I have designed homes. I've gotten permits from many, many homes. But these corporations keep lobbying our Democrat-controlled legislature in California. So these corporations make tons of products, tons of profit, tons of profit, by the sale of their products, the building code. I thought Democrats cared about people. I thought, they, no, they care about profits so they can get campaign financing to stay in power. And so the Democrats allow whomever has a product that can be sold by force to the building code so that the kickback goes to the Democrats, they stay in power. The Democrats are chronic, chronic hypocrites. I've seen it in California over and over. <laughs> oh, corporations, yeah, corporations are evil. Oh, wait, no, they're not evil as long as they contribute to our cause. Oh, really? How about everyday people having to pay more for housing? That's what you people are doing. If we go under the premise of freedom, more Republican and libertarian idea, freedom, Rand Paul. Rand Paul said, why don't we try freedom? Why don't we try freedom? Oh, what a concept. So if you have the freedom to do with your land as you desire, what happens? Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness, you have an instant subdivision, which provides a lot of supply of land. And in the supply, people can build cheap homes. That would solve the homeless problem. And you just got that little hurdle of the Subdivision Map Act and the Environmental Quality Act. So why do we have these strict laws? Because the banks love High mortgages with high interest. Why aren't the Democrats opposing the banks? The banks love the environmental laws, which chokes the supply of land. Once again, we have the analysis of why the homeless are homeless. They choke the supply of land through the Environmental Quality Act and the planning departments in the rural areas. And the poor cannot afford the homes. Who's been in charge of California for a decade or so? The Democrats. Oh, we care about the homeless. No, you don't. No, you don't. If that was true... You would do everything possible to reduce the cost of housing, and you have not. I'm in the trenches. I get the permits for buildings, commercial buildings, 
industrial buildings, residential buildings, you Democrats have made the hurdle so high that people give up and they're homeless. Their their compassion, quote-unquote compassion, is only based in how they get re-elected. Deceptive compassion? Well, we care about people. No, you don't care about people. You made the housing standards so high under the Democrat government. Sorry. You're liars. You're hypocrites. You don't care about the poor. You don't care about the homeless. You don't care about the family. You're destroying the family. I'm sorry. I've done this before, Robert. I'm really sorry. I'm on a rant again. That's okay. I've seen, I've seen the impacts of the Democratic administration in California and why homes are so damn expensive. They don't care. They only care about how they can stay in power. It's chronically hypocritical. Uh, i got to shut up, turn it over to you for a few minutes. <laughs> no, I understand. Yeah, and I, I mean, that kind of bothers me. It, 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 you know, that part, and then also when they tried to, you know, say that, uh, and you know, and <clears throat> people here know that, you know, I'm not a religious guy, so uh, that when they try to say that, but I know religious people, and I, I just don't see where people who want to have, uh, you know, forced compassion. There you go. You know, in the form of taxation uh, on people, and also uh, make it where oh, well, we have have open borders. But you know, it's like no, because remember, Jesus also said, "Give unto Caesar's what is Caesar's." You know, and obey, you know, he talked about obeying the laws. I mean, he was you know, he wasn't ever talking about oh, you shouldn't obey the the laws of the land. He, you know, through my understanding of it, that was never a part of his teachings, right? Um, and then he also said, you know, don't bear false witness. Look at all the all the lies that the Democrats are are, are putting out there. And then, you know, I, I, and the biggest one is, how, you know, how they can support people who are pro-abortion and say they're a Christian at the same time. Uh, but anyway, I do see at the top of the hour, and uh, we do have uh, got some articles here uh, that are from the the website. Uh, and you know we'll go about that. Now this one is, you know, and again I, see, you know, not a, you know not a long article, so we'll we'll be able to get through all this. It says, and this is uh, from October uh, 10th. Uh, it says the latest revelation shows Team Obama invented the whole RussiaGate scandal. It said in mid 2016, the FBI got word that Russian intelligence believed Hillary Clinton's campaign was planning to frame Donald Trump as colluding with Russia's Vladimir Putin to hack her computers. Yet somehow the crack agents never connected the dots when handed the Steele dossier commissioned and paid for by the Clinton campaign that claimed Trump was colluding with Putin. Instead, the Justice Department, uh, which uh, you know what? I'm going to stop this for a minute for, real quick because I'm going to get this. It brought my, my thoughts to something I heard the other day where there was a, uh, a report that now they're saying that the Durham report may not be finished before the election. 
what have you heard on that, Kelly? I uh, will get back to the article, but what have you heard about I, well, that? And what's your thoughts on it? Well, I do not know much about the delay with the Durham report, but I do know that a recent Osama bin Laden and that whole, you know, SEAL Team 6, oh, you know, right before the 2012 election, Obama had this big announcement that had gotten Osama bin Laden. Okay. Well, a CIA whistleblower came forward recently and, uh, Obama had was contacted by the Iranians, and the Iranians said, "Hey, we got Osama bin Laden here in Iran." Obama says, "Great, you know, why don't you go ahead and put him in Af- Afghanistan, and uh, we'll send SEAL Team Six to get him." And the Iranians said, "Okay, cool, yeah, okay." So then. SEAL Team 6 went to the supposed location in Afghanistan and they captured what they thought was Osama bin Laden. This is a recent hot button because it's going to go huge when it can be verified. Okay? So, Iran, Iran says, hey, we got Osama bin Laden. Obama says, great, let's put him in Afghanistan and I'll send SEAL Team 6 and arrest him. This is like shortly a couple months before the election, which would assure Obama to get reelected. You remember the speech? Oh, yes, you know, we got Osama bin Laden. Yes, and our SEAL Team 6, and da-da-da. And then SEAL Team 6 was all killed in a helicopter crash. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, this is a coincidence. This is a weird thing, you know. Some guys in a helicopter die. Same guys that happened to capture Osama bin Laden. Okay. So yeah, we had remember we had uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Strange on here. Remember? Yeah, yeah, that was from yeah, Team Six. Was, His son yeah. was there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So the Steel Team Six goes in and captures this guy, not Osama bin Laden, but they thought so. And then Obama says his big spiel: "We got him. Vote for me." Well, after that speech, Iran said, ha, we got you. Oh, my gosh, we got you. That was not Osama bin Laden. Obama's like, what? Iran says, that's not Osama bin Laden. He's here, and he's alive, and he's happy, and uh, we're about to re- going to release Osama bin Laden to tell the world he's still alive. Pause, pause, pause. Oh, shit. I'm going to be, I'm going to look like I'm a lying fool, like an idiot. Yeah, you are an idiot because you believed Iran. Iran says, hey, I tell you what, Obama, I tell you what. We're not going to, we're not going to tell the world that Osama bin Laden is happy and alive here in Iran. 
as long as you pay us billions of dollars. Obama was up for re-election. And in on this conversation was Biden and Hillary Clinton. And Obama's like, oh, shit. So Obama says, how many billions do you need? Iran said, several billion to keep this quiet. So just go ahead and write us a check for billions of dollars. And we will not tell the world that Osama bin Laden is still alive. And you captured his dummy, his stunt double, his his stunt double. And so the check was written. Iran got quiet. Obama got reelected in 2012. So Obama being blackmailed by another nation essentially committed treason by giving an enemy of the U.S. billions of dollars. You remember when Obama gave Iran billions of dollars? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's the root of it. It was quite genius of the Iranians. And that's a video I saw today. We will find out in the future, this is true. So, do I believe this? Uh, it's easy to believe. We shall find out in the future. So, Iran blackmailed Obama. That's why he gave them billions. Biden and Clinton was involved. This is a little bit mind-blowing. Again, I'll have to confirm, and we shall wait for time to reveal if this really happened or not. But why do you give another nation billions of dollars shortly before your election or re-election? Fascinating. Well, I tell you what, you should see this crowd in your your hometown of Iowa. Not hometown, but home state at least. (laughs) Yeah, there's a couple other – well, yeah, well, they said uh, somebody from – I heard about that. And CNN, supposedly, I didn't watch it because, well, CNN. Where supposedly somebody came on and debunked, you know, uh, you know, debunked that, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, anyway, uh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll have to read up more on that. I'll have to read up more on that. Wait, 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 Oh, I'm not disagreeing. Mm. I, I, I haven't read as much on it. I've just seen things about it passing. So one of the ways you can find out if something is true is how quickly the fact checkers and the <laughs> yeah, there you go. Is to debunk it. Like, for example, Pelosi, okay? Did you, by the way, did you like my video I sent about Nancy Pelosi? Yeah, I've seen that. That was you. Uh, that was well, your voice, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I made it yesterday. Okay. Did it hurt? Did it... <laughs> <laughs> this is Nancy that Pelosi. That's painful. Yeah, that's not painful. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, she's... You said I kind of like her, uh, but... Right. Change.org is the one that reported how much she's been drunk, and there's a petition to have her removed for incompetence. Okay. So you look at fact checkers, and the fact checkers say, oh, that Pelosi is drunk all the time is is a complete is completely false because she doesn't even drink. Really? In my video I sent you, she's multiple incidences, multiple camera shots of she's drinking alcohol. But the fact checkers say, oh, no, no, she doesn't even drink at all. Really? You expect me to believe that? She can't even get up from a rally when she's on her knees and she's being escorted after a liquid lunch to her car. People all over her so she doesn't fall down on her face. But the fact checkers say, the fact checkers say, oh, no, 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 she doesn't even drink at all. Really? <laughs> so, by the way, did, did did you find that video amusing? Yeah, it was amusing. Yeah. It was so, a little creepy, but amusing. <laughs> yeah, that's the feedback I'm getting. It's funny, but it's also scary. Or it's scary, but it's also funny. That she could become our president, and she's like a comic yeah, it's both. Okay. Yeah. I said, yeah, it's both. So the second... So, back to... Go ahead. So no, the second... Back to our article here. Um... It says, uh, it goes to, to continue, man, my, my computer next is making a, all kinds of sounds. I hope it's not getting ready to go out. But it says, instead of the Justice Department used that, um, instead the Justice Department used a dossier as a pretext to spy on at least uh, Trump aide Carter Page as it investigated the clearly spurious charges. It says, Justice also distorted the facts about Page's past relations with the CIA to suggest he had a uh, history of working with Russia agents when his actual record involved turning them in. Meanwhile, I buried the fact that Steele's main source was himself a, suspect, a suspected Russian agent. Nor did it connect the dots to another Russiagate leader. The third-hand rumors passed along by a Clinton-allied diplomat that supposedly implicated Trump's aide, George Papadopoulos. The news of the 2016 intel comes from the director of national intelligence, John Ratcliffe's gradual release of Russiagate records, which showed that the true scandal was the investigation itself. Maybe the Russian analyst was, uh, analysis was mistaken, but the info should have prompted far greater skepticism on all the Clinton-connected, quote, dirt on Trump, none of which ever panned out despite years of investigation. Uh, the justice to the CIA, the Obama administration, politicized a host of nonpartisan institutions, sustained uh, the Trump campaign, and then sabotaged the Trump administration, and was selectively to major media. The plotters managed to, plotters managed to convince much of the country. The info was credible on its face. U.S. intelligence, quote, obtained insight into the Russian analysis using highly classified methods, which are redacted in the now public documents. The Russians had determined that Clinton wanted to blame Trump for the hacking of Democratic National Committee's emails 
to distract from the ever-growing scandal over her use of non-secured homebrew server for official business as Secretary of State. Uh, the U.S. television community found it was authentic Russian analysis that couldn't judge the veracity of the claim. And President Barack Obama was briefed on it per his CSA director, John Brennan. So there's your connection, you know. And that's why you see Brennan on CNN and all those other uh, places trying to, you know, tout that narrative, which, of course, the, quote, media is always more happy to uh, – you know, to, to, to put out there. Well, when you have Kevin Kleinsmith, an attorney for the FBI, getting um, he pled guilty in court. Guilty in court that he changed an email. To obtain a FISA warrant, and the it was not an indictment; it was an information. Federal Rules Criminal Procedure Rule Six: A person can be prosecuted by an information waiving his right to a grand jury indictment. So the Justice Department brought forth an information. And this is when someone is willing to do a plea bargain. He'll lose his law. Kevin Kleinsmith will lose his law license. And he is going to be working with the Justice Department to name names. Who told him to do this? Subordinate, subordinate perjury, who also was involved in this grand screen scheme to get a FISA warrant. We are going to see more indictments and prosecution up the chain of command for those who were trying to use the backup plan to discredit Trump. Kevin Kleinsmith is the key. And so this whole Russiagate and the size of Warren and spying on Trump, da 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 da. It was a well laden plan to try to reverse an election at the same time, it would minimize the power of Donald Trump. It is mind blowing. The people are coming forward. That would be old Kevin Kleinsmith because they don't want to go to jail for like, oh, 30 years. So we're going to see a lot more of the lies that came forward to spy on Trump and minimize his effectiveness as a president. Hopefully, by now, Trump has appointed the right people to get things done for his ideas, his principles, and his agenda. The biggest problem, again, I'm a libertarian, the biggest problem is our federal government is too big. And when you have a government of such massive, colossal size, it takes years and years and years 
to find out who the bad apples are in government and get them out of office. This is the fundamental systemic problem with our federal government. It's too big. Now, you go to hmm, 1830s, that would be Andrew Jackson as president. Andrew Jackson figured out who was with the banksters of the time. And it only took him like a few weeks to find out who was with the banksters. And within a couple months, he fired one-third. One-third of the federal government because they were with the banksters, a.k.a. called the Money Trust. It's 1830s. That's when the federal government was to the size that was manageable. Our federal government currently is a behemoth monster that it takes years and years to find out who is for the American people, who is against the American people. Trump has to figure it out, and it's chronically confusing. It's like a Vietnam in your own government. In Vietnam, they couldn't tell who was friendly and who was hostile. The federal government is too big. And it takes too long to figure out who's a friendly and who's a hostile. But if Trump is given another four years, making eight years, he'll figure out who is a friendly, who loves the American people and the Constitution, and who is an enemy. Cloaked in subtleties and subversive tactics, the federal government was never intended to be. This big that it takes a president six, seven, eight years to figure out who's the bad guy and who's the good guy. That's the systemic systemic problem with our federal government. It's too big to figure out who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. Does this make sense, Robert? Ah, for the most part, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the founders never intended that our federal government would be this big. And you well, yeah, allow, no. yeah, when you allow, let's see, um, Clinton, okay, Bush. Senior, Clinton, Bush, Obama, deep state, banksters, deep state, when you have this many years to get your people installed in the federal government and you grow it this big, does it make sense that Trump, that it takes Trump years and years and years to figure out who's a good guy and who's a bad guy? What I'm saying is, with the massive size of the federal government, how do you figure out who is a big guy, a good guy, and who's a bad guy? 
it takes years and years to figure well, it out. Why these, well, and that's why these investigations are, I guess that's why these investigations are taking so long. But it's, I still find it interesting, you know, if we want to bring up what I stated earlier about the, with the Durham report not, might not be available after the election. Durham himself has to sort. He has to sort through, okay, I heard this, I heard that, I heard this, I heard that. What is their agenda? Are they a good guy or are they a bad guy? And it's not just one, two. It's so many people that you have to sort through who's a good guy, who's a bad guy. Why is there such a challenge with that? Because our federal government is too big. Did I mention that our federal government is too big? What we are suffering... But, but, but with it being such a large country, how do you get rid of that? The federal government was never intended to be this big. What we are suffering right now is a Vietnam within our own federal government. Meaning, when I say a Vietnam, our troops on the ground in Vietnam had a heck of a time figuring out who's a good guy, who's a bad guy. Who can we trust? Who is our enemy? And you get people that come across as an ally, and they're really your enemy. Our government is so big that we're suffering of Vietnam in our own country. It's hard to discern is a good guy, is a bad guy. I mean, okay, so George W. George Bush Sr. Joined Chesham Congress. I was not a fan of him, and I was a fan. I was a fan of his son until the past couple of years when I learned more about him after the fact. But go ahead. Okay, so George Bush Sr., he said in a joint session of Congress, we will have a new world order. Oh, really? You're right. a new world order? Yeah. Really? Okay. I so remember that. Appointed, yeah. So he appointed his buddies who believe in the new world order. They're on his cabinet, which runs all sorts of different departments of the federal government. So let's get our new world order boys, men, women, whoever, let's get them into government offices. So you have Bush Sr., Clinton, Bush Jr., Obama, all the same, new world order. They're getting their people into government offices, the federal government. And they're very slick, and they're very subtle, and they're very deceptive. Oh, I love America. No, you don't. How can you discern the individuals who are really subtly working against America? It's not an easy task. Not an easy task at all. So... Trump has to remove – I mean, look at this whole Russiagate, all sorts of things. 
without a person of discernment as a White House staff member, it's going to take years and years to get these people out. Oh, well, that's one one of the things. It's so important to get Trump in. It's going to take years for him to clean, and that's why they're that's why they're so pressing to get uh, to get him out. Because I know, man. Well, I mean, can you imagine what he'll be able to do uh, in a uh, a second you know second term? I mean, that's what they're so scared of. I mean, that's why I've said for a while is that they want him gone because they're afraid what he's going to reveal when he gets out of you know when he we don't have to worry about getting reelected. Exactly. You know the, you know the, the liberals in the deep state are going to have they're, they're going to have the media behind them. Well, do you think Trump listens to the media? <laughs> no, but unfortunately, there's a lot of the American people that do. Uh, yeah. So what happens when? He gets the right people in the Justice Department, Inspector General, um, judges. Yeah, I don't. I never. I never did trust her. Go ahead. Well, Durham's okay, but you get enough. Oh, by the way, Tom Fitton. Did just watch Tom Fitton? Okay. He has been appointed to a position that reviews the federal judges. Meaning if they're unconstitutional, corrupt judges, Fitton, Tom Fitton is going to have them removed. That is quite... That is quite the powerful position to have Tom Fitton as oversight over federal judges. Okay, so remove this person, remove this person, remove this person. And Trump is in the habit of appointing over 200 federal judges. Mostly because Clinton... Oh, and, they, or, and they're actually saying, oh, well, he's, he's, he's stacked that... That he's stacking, impacting the court. It's it's amazing the lies that the uh, that the Democrats and the, the you know their propaganda arm, the media are, are are putting out there. I mean, and again, that's the thing that drives me nuts about pe- a lot of people is they believe that they hear something enough and they hear it on enough liberal news stations that it must be true. It absolutely drives me nuts. <sighs> My mother. And, and it just makes... Go ahead. My mother. Yeah, my mother. God bless her. She taught me to think for myself. You know, there's other kids and that gets you in trouble if you go along with them, but think for yourself. And so I blame my mother for all sorts of trouble I'm in because I think for myself. <laughs> and. So you think for yourself, you don't listen to the repeat, 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 repeat. It's true because I've repeated it, repeated it 20 times. It's like, no, you're trying to control me and you're pissing me off. 
you're repeating it another 20, 22 times, you're pissing me off even more because it ain't true. I knew it from the first time you said it. The reason why you're pissing me off is because you're repeating it, expecting me to comply. You're trying to control me, and that pisses me off. Did I mention pissing me off? Like, no, I know what the truth is. And if I don't, I'll admit it and find out the truth. And the mainstream media lies, 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 lies. And he called it from the very beginning. He said, ah, fake news. You're fake news. Even the report he pointed to him and said, you're fake news. He has that discernment. He has his own convictions. Trump, that is. Again, I didn't vote for him in 2016. I'm a libertarian. But at least Trump will stand up to them and call them fake news. And they can repeat a million more times. Trump will just say you're fake news. <laughs> it's mind-blowing. Well, and they are. I mean, it's a- Yeah, and we are. Uh, yeah, well, well yeah, they are. They're well, fake news, saying, and Trump called them on it. Well, and, I mean, and the thing is, it's all you got to do is look. All you got to do is look, and you see their lies and their obfuscations and, and how they omit things. I mean, just like all the times, like, oh yeah, Trump. You know, when when is Trump ever going to? Uh, you know, uh, oh, gosh damn it! Uh, well, you know, when's he ever going to, you know, a white supremacist? When is he going to denounce white supremacy and white supremacy? And he's done it multiple times. And and the thing is, is that the, the only the only news it's not even news, but those people watch are, you know, again MSNBC, CNN, you know, NPR, and they feel like, oh well, if they turn the station or listen to NPR, then they're, you know. Then they're you know somehow they're getting you know different news when they're not. They're all basically what they do is they parrot what comes straight from the Democrat politicians' mouth. Right. Well, the good news is the American people aren't listening to them. And Trump said it brilliantly. The best answer. How many times do I have to denounce David Duke? Uh, 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 what can they say to that? Right, they all do that. Right. Well, they see they try to impute they try to impute their opinion through a question. What are you gonna denounce the KKK? Trump said, How many times do I have to denounce David Duke? Bam. He just flattened them like a pancake. They try to can the supposition or the imputation, imputing, imputing a point through a question. And they tried this again with the Trump-Biden debate. They tried it through the VP debate. The question was this. Will Trump, if Trump loses, will he do a peaceful transition of power? What was the subtle implication in the question? What's the question? Will Trump respect the peaceful transition of power if he loses the election? 
The subtle implication is in the question. The subtle message is in the question. Both Trump and Pence responded appropriately. We're going to win. We're going to win. I don't even know why you're asking this. We're going to win this. We're going to win. We're going to win the election. In other words, the question was, you're going to lose. Will you transfer power peacefully? That was the subtle. No, 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 no. They perfectly, perfectly nailed it by saying, oh, we're going to win. We're going to win. Trump said it. Pence said it. No, I don't know. We're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to win. The question said, you're going to lose. Will you transfer power? The answer was, we're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to win. So both Trump and Pence brilliantly, brilliantly, again, I'm a libertarian. I haven't decided to vote for Trump yet. But they brilliantly handled the subtle implications within the question. Oh, we're going to win. We're going to win. I don't know. We haven't even really thought about that because we're going to win. Mind-blowing how the left controls the narrative. And they say that, oh, you got to control the narrative. Really? Us libertarians, well, us libertarians do not like that word control. Control the narrative. Control the narrative by a question. Control the narrative. No, F you. I don't like that word control. You're trying to control me through a question? Are you out of your mind? So Trump and Pence both masterfully handled that question by saying, oh, we're going to win. We're going to win. Yeah, we're going to win. And then the libs, I heard another one today, My a neighbor that we hang out, we talk a little bit, you know, nice guy. But he says, but we'll... Will Trump, will Trump transfer power peacefully in four years? Oh, so you've just conceded. You've just conceded that Trump's going to win the election. Oh, but will he transfer power peacefully in four years? Oh, really? You realize what you just said? Will Trump concede power in four years? <laughs> so you, just a minute, you lost the election. And you're in fear and panic that he will not transfer power in four years peacefully. That's four years from now. Unbelievable. <laughs> Somebody's trying to induce fear upon my neighbor about something that may or may not happen in four years. That's his only argument, something that will happen in four years? Oh my gosh. How did he get to that conclusion enough to ask a question? Will he transfer power peacefully in four years? <laughs> I cannot believe that people fall for this. But oh, they, they do. do. It's, it's terrible. Oh, they do. It's it's terrible how many people, uh, you know. <laughs> but will Trump yeah. transfer power peacefully in four years? <laughs> <laughs> so you're starting to recognize that Biden's going to lose. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, 
Unbelievable. Yeah, I tell you what, the, yeah, the, yeah, it's, it is. And, and then you have these human parasites. You know, like this lady who, you know, uh, you know, writes this book about, you know, Melania Trump, and you know, it puts out those tapes about people. They try, they act like they're their friends, and then they try to get themselves some fame and maybe a little, you know, maybe a little fortune by stabbing people who thought that they were in their backs. You know, it's just, it's just disgusting. These people are just disgusting. When my neighbor, who seems to be a decent guy, helps people, works at Walmart, and somebody has caused him to be afraid of what could happen in four years, he does not understand his liberty. He does not understand he is free to think for himself. How do I counter this? I guess next time I talk to him, it's like, dude, someone has made you afraid of what can happen in four years. You might want to question their agenda upon you. If you're afraid, I'm, I'm literally, a few hours ago, that's what I talked to him. You might want to question the motives of somebody who's made you afraid of what can happen four years from now. I'll we'll see how he responds to that. Because if you can be manipulated to what might happen in four years, you do not understand who you are. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. Whatever happened to the whatever happened to the Democrats' narrative that the world's going to end in 12 years if we don't get a handle on on uh, climate change? We don't hear that anymore, do we? Oh, here and there, it's starting to fade. You know, if the world is still around and. 2025 or 2030. Uh, there's going to be yeah, a whole... Yeah, whatever happened to that Gretchen face? You don't hear anything about her anymore either, do you? She was a flash in the pan. You mean that 14-year-old? Yeah, she was, wasn't she like speaking to the United Nations and all this other stuff? Like, whatever happened to that, that, that kid, you know? She's just, you know, just, she, you know, she was the fodder for the media. You know, that's all she is, so... Did you did you see what happened with that exchange between her and Trump? No, I did not. So Gretchen somehow ended up <clears throat> <clears throat> there was this hotel with, you know, <clears throat> escalators and Trump made a brief appearance and so Trump walks in and he says, Hi Gretchen. He just saw her and says, hi, Gretchen. And then Secret's, Secret Service just kind of, uh, you know, made sure that she didn't get closer to the president. Uh-huh. But the second he saw her, he said, hi, Gretchen. And then he did his thing, and she had a scowling, hateful look at him. Oh, yeah. 
It's it's unbelievable the hate that they promulgated. Right, right, right. As put in her mind by her parents or her teachers or whoever. Now, the media put out the video of Gretchen, this 16-year-old who spoke in front of United Nations about climate change, but they didn't include the three seconds before where Trump said, hi, Gretchen. No, they took that little, hi, Gretchen. They didn't include that. No, no. It's amazing. It's amazing what happens when you edit certain pieces out of a video clip. He was friendly. He's like, hey, how you doing? You know, kind of a thing. Mind-blowing. And that's the power of editing videos to bring out an opinion that your agenda won't. Oh well, perfect example. Well, perfect example is there's a uh, one that came out where um, uh, the something cowboys or something like that, where a guy put out uh, a a video. You know, part of the video he said, you know, I'm coming to the conclusion that the only good Democrat is a dead Democrat, and that's all they use, right? To say, and, that, and Trump retweeted that video. And so that's all they use to make it say, look, look, Trump is, you know, agrees with, you know, someone saying that the only good Democrat is a dead Democrat. Well, if you play the video longer, it even says right after he said that. Now I know there's going to be a lot of people out there who's just going to take that, you know, uh, take that clip from this video and state that, you know, I'm proposing we go out and, and, and shoot Democrats. I'm not saying it all, but I'm saying. I'm not talking about physical death of the Democrats. I'm talking about political death of the Democrats. And so, again, instead of you know them playing the whole video, they just play that one part, that one part out. And because Trump retweeted it, saying, "See, Trump is for people to do violence against you know against Democrats," and that's not and they use that stuff to, to, to get people to hate to hate Trump. It's amazing what they do, and I'm like, no, um, no, he never said that. You know, first they get first there's there's people thinking that Trump actually said that, and then they're like, oh well, he must have agreed with what the guy said because he retweeted it, you know, without even knowing what the full video was. And they do that all the time, just like how they try to take things out when they took out contacts for saying, look, there's some good people on both sides, and they try to spin it to say, see, he's trying to say there's good people in the white supremacists, blah blah blah. You know, so uh, the the way they spin it, and then of course, unfortunately, uh, you got a, a, enough people, you know, who believe it. But I, I'm hoping at least that all the lies, you know, the more they they spread the lies, my hope is at least is that less and less people really start to believe them. It's at least my again, which is at least my hope. Well, that video I sent you, okay, about. He's a Nancy Pelosi. I'd be glad to be your president. Okay, is that video I sent you? Okay, so I'm doing research, and one of the fact checkers said, oh, this is all false because she's never had a drop of alcohol. She doesn't drink. That stopped me dead in my tracks. At least I had integrity to like, oh, shoot, because I could totally end this right now because she doesn't drink at all. I shouldn't be posting this. 
but yet I found here, there, there, here, there. Change.org. It's on the video. Change.org. People are petitioning to remove her from office because of incompetence. Why the incompetence? Because she's drunk a lot. So the fact checkers, this is change.org. They're reported. She spent a lot of money on alcohol at the expense of taxpayer dollars. Okay, go forward. Ignore the fact checkers. At least I had the integrity to stop and find more sources. But does the media do this? No. Why? Because Sol Alinsky, in his book Rules for Radicals, the ends justify the means, which means lie, 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 spin, 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 lie, lie. Edit the videos, make this person say the opposite of what he said, like <clears throat> supposedly Trump disparaged World War One veterans. No, he did not. You listen to the full clip and the people around him, like, no, he did not disparage World War One vets. But they took a short clip and they spun it. All this spin to put Trump in a negative light is simply video editing, sound bites, clips, and it's horrifying because the ends justify the means. Lie, cheat, steal, slander. Take things out of context so that you destroy your political opponent. That's Saul Alinsky, who does not subscribe to the truth. He does not subscribe to the truth in context. And that's what the media is doing, and that's how they've gotten away with it. And yes, we have freedom of the press, but thank God for the American people who know freedom. And they know, you know, there's more to this. We're not buying the propaganda. The Russians, the Russians are hearing all this propaganda, and they're not buying it because they know better. It's human nature to be curious to find out what the real truth is. And even the Russians didn't buy their own government propaganda. Why do you think Russia, communist Russia, toppled? Because the people weren't buying it. But the left believes <clears throat> the left believes the American people will buy the propaganda. Look, if the Russians didn't buy the propaganda and they broke down their communist ideas in Russia, how in the world do they really think the American people are going to buy the propaganda? Well, I know, I know of course, they're talking all about polls and everything of that nature. Uh, you know, through my understanding of a lot of these polls – uh, are pretty much pretty much the same as they were back in 2016, 
And I, you know, they, and I don't even know if they've changed their methodology uh, with these new pools that got coming out either, though. Well, they, the liberals believe because they hang around with many, many other liberals. Right. They believe that the American people will buy it. And the American people are not going to buy it because they figured it out. I believe in the American people. So does Pence. And he's played that very well in his his discussion with Kamala Harris. So the American people are like, yeah, we just don't buy this stuff anymore. But the liberals expect us to buy it, and we're not. And that's why Trump is going to win re-election if we have an honest election, which is a whole other topic for another day. I will tell you that David Getz, who is an election integrity activist like myself, he's monitoring North Carolina. Guess what he found out? In the middle of September, the state of North Carolina came out with a report of newly registered voters. Guess what the ratio was? Republicans versus Democrats. New registrations. 1.7 Republicans for every one Democrat. Wow. 1.7 Republicans for every Democrat in North Carolina. Could you imagine what's going on all over the nation? If you have a... Yeah, if you have a 1.1 ratio, 1.1 Republicans for every one Democrat, yeah, the Republicans are going to win. If you have 1.2, 1.3, oh, North Carolina, 1.7 for every one Democrat. Yeah, the Democrats aren't looking very good. So I could see in an honest election... Trump wins, the House is Republican, and the Senate is Republican. Well, I'd say what, yeah, I mean, it's just, but, I mean, why aren't these people, I mean, I know Biden's got a lot of people, you know, afraid out, out but you would think there'd be even more people out, I don't know. We'll, we'll 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 see on November third. I mean, I I I truly believe the only way that the Democrats could win is if they cheat. I I really do. I think that's going to be the only way. Just I mean, pretty much in, in two thousand and I think I thought the same in two thousand sixteen. That the only way. I I think they were planning on cheating, but I knew there was just there's just no way. And I think by having these polls and saying always oh, up by you know double digits and always up in every state and all these black and he's going to have such a a landslide. I just, I, I think they're trying to prepare us for, you know, what's all that background noise, Kelly? I'm eating pizza. Yeah. Oh, you're eating pizza? <laughs> that actually sounds really good. I'm actually kind of hungry. But anyway, 
is that <laughs> all those polls, yeah, all the, um, yeah, I think they're, they're setting us up for either cheating during the election or if Trump still pulls it out, you know, they're gonna they're gonna be like, oh well, there's some kind of collusion with Russia or who knows again, you know, saying that look. We had the polls were all stating everywhere that it was going to be a landslide and Trump won. There's no way that can happen. Look at all the polls. It's like, well, the polls are wrong last time. You know, so. Well, you know, you know, some are saying well, they changed you, their methodology. Did, some say they didn't, but. Well, did you know that, that Biden is hiring a whole bunch of attorneys? A whole bunch of attorneys to contest the results. Oh, I bet. I and bet. It, oh, yeah. I bet the, the attorneys are loving it right now. <laughs> They're going to get a lot of hours. I think. I just hope this ain't well, another two thousand. But I've got a feeling it's going to be. Well, Hillary Clinton advised Biden: do not concede. Right. I remember that. Under any under any circumstance, right? Because they're going to try to yeah. they're, they're going to they're going to try to steal it. What what they're going to try to do is delegitimize Trump's election. And if it's delegitimized, it means if you're a federal employee, do not do what Trump wants. It weakens his presidency by all the federal employees oh, and all sorts of different employment, different departments. I just, I just, I just noticed the time, Kelly. I got to take your closing thoughts for the next thirty seconds. I just noticed the time. Not thirty seconds. You got about a minute. Go ahead. I've, I've lost track of time. I would encourage people <clears throat> to get into small towns. Or counties with small populations, because we are going to have a very rough time from November through January. Yeah, it's going to be a bad Christmas, I got Well, because the communists want you to believe that Trump is an illegitimate president and there will be riots. The riots we saw this summer will be like times 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why we're because, getting more weapons in my house. Well, yeah, you got to buy guns. You got to stock up food. There will be a very trying time. Uh, I'm just glad I've got a, I've got a nephew. I've got a nephew that's an ex Navy SEAL. <laughs> oh, good, good. Well, yeah. If he's <laughs> yeah. out in the country, if he's out in the country, was, I encourage yeah. you to go. Oh no, I he's here. He's, he's home. He's he's home. Okay. He's, he's got it. He's got a number of Purple Hearts. <laughs> wow. So yeah, he we're was, gonna yeah, he have. Was several times. I would encourage people to be ready. For the period of November to January 20th, because people will not accept the results. The riots we saw this summer are going to be times 10. So I would encourage people to be prepared for this. 
Yeah, it's going to be. I have a feeling it's going to get. Yeah, I hope not. But yeah, I could see where it could end up being pretty bad. Um, and so yeah, I do see that. Oh my gosh, uh, I've only got a minute, so uh, I really appreciate it. We'll see you next week. Uh, hopefully, we'll see more of our our friends. We're, we're coming close to the election, and we'll uh, we'll see you then. Thanks for coming on, Kelly. Uh, and you you have a good night. We'll we'll talk soon. Okay. Good night. Nice.